And hello, and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. And Matt, we're actually here at our normal time on our normal night. Oh, no, no, for the first time in two weeks. Yes, it's been a while there. You know, it's funny uh, to think that, you know, 200-odd episodes in, I dare say our, our last handful of episodes have maybe been some of our best episodes yet. I would say so, yeah. How the how the fuck does that happen? Who goes 200 episodes and then starts putting out the good stuff? <laughs> and I th- we figured it was time to just, like, sort of kick things into high gear, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, Michaelius, for that. Always thank appreciated. You. Yeah, we're we're kicking in the turbos. Those uh those other 199 episodes, those were practice. They don't count. <laughs> <laughs> now now no takesy backsies for uh for the real deal. Uh, so uh, how you doing, Matt? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Been a been a yeah. been a strange week. Oh, uh, has it? Yeah. If you well, can. well, well, just just in general in in the world and everything. Oh, with yeah. some of this news we'll be talking about a little later on. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of putting that off because the biggest news story this week was also a massive, massive bummer. Yeah. Which is a real shame, but, uh, you know, my week was pretty good, uh, all things uh, considered. Uh, I watched a lot of really good documentaries this mm-hmm. week. I watched that uh, Class Action Park documentary mm. from I watched, HBO Max. I watched that one as well. Really fucking good, wasn't it? It, it, it was, but then it's, it's also really strange because, like, the whole documentary for, like, the first hour, hour and a bit, it's like, this place was so fucking fun. This, you know, mm. this is, like, w- what being a kid in the 80s was about. And then it just, yeah. like, takes a change and goes to that story about that kid that died and his parents yeah. and everything. And I'm like, where the fuck did, that, where did this come from? It's it's literally we all had to grow up. And, like, oh, hello, uh, Taryn Good. Thank you as well. We got lots Thank of you. people following and subscribing tonight. Yeah. Yeah, that one does take a turn. It's funny. Uh, I had watched the McDonald's one before that, McMillions, which is mm-hmm. funny. That was like a like a ten part series, and I'm like, hey, wasn't that? Why wasn't this Action Park one a ten part series too? I bet they could have kept this one going longer than ninety minutes. Oh, absolutely, they could have detailed everything, but they kind of glossed over a lot of the early stuff just to get into like yeah. the whole. This guy Fun made stuff. made made a made a ride that like broke people's teeth and then people would get scarred because there was teeth in the ride there's a i don't know if you've ever seen the guy on youtube uh defunct land he talks about like you know uh disney parks and theme parks Mm -hmm. and everything he actually did an episode on action park right before that johnny knoxville movie action point came out because it's all based on the same story Mm -hmm. his was good his was pretty short too but he goes into stuff that's not uh, in the movie, which is pretty fun, he talks a little bit more about the sun and the sun's attempt to try and like bring it back. Yeah, that was something that happened in the early 2010s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which again, the documentary doesn't really talk about that because it doesn't go anywhere. No. I uh, what was the other documentary I saw this week? Ooh, you cannot kill David Arquette about Scream actor David Arquette deciding at the age of 50 after a heart attack. <laughs> He's going to go back into the world of professional wrestling, but not regular wrestling either. Hardcore deathmatch wrestling. I, I I haven't seen that one, but I've seen like clips of it. And boy, boy, does it look good. David Arquette is crazier than I ever imagined. I did not know that he actually grew up in like a Hollywood commune. Oh, really? Yeah, he grew up in like a commune where they didn't have electricity or running water. And I'm like, that's, uh, yep, yeah, that explains a lot. Hmm. 
Courtney Cox is in the movie, too, and she sums up their whole relationship really funny, where she's like, yeah, you know, we met on Scream 1, fell in love and got married on Scream 2, hated each other by Scream 3, and got divorced by Scream 4. <laughs> Which, hilariously, the same week that movie came out, that documentary, they announced Scream 5 is going to be a thing, uh. so I don't know where the relationship <laughs> is going to go after that. <laughs> I guess we'll find out, but uh, yeah, you cannot kill David Arquette. Really fun movie, even if you don't like wrestling, even if you just like want to see like what this crazy actor is doing. He also almost dies at one point. He's wrestling Nick Gage, who is like one of the most respected deathmatch wrestlers in the game right now. And David Arquette, you literally see him get fucking stabbed in the neck with a broken light tube and almost die. Fucking hell. Yeah, and because it's wrestling, he has this great moment where he's like, oh no, I have to leave now because I'm bleeding to death. And he's like, no, I got to go back in the ring and let him pin me because he'll be really upset if he doesn't pin me. <laughs> Look, brother, we got to pin it. Uh, also, too, uh, what is it? Luke Perry is in the movie, too, and Luke Perry's son is Jungle Boy from AEW. Oh, really? Yes, so there's a weird connection there. Jungle Boy's like the last dude they talk to, and it's like very nice and very sweet and everything. But uh, yeah, check that one out, everybody. That's on video on demand right now. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, of course, I'm excited too. Uh, The Boys comes out uh, this week. It does, yeah. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, hitting at a good time. Also, it comes out either the same day or around the same time as the Avengers game. Same day. (laughs) Same day. All right, we're going to have to make time to stream that because I know you're going to be playing it and I'm going to be playing it. And I bought the PC version, so hopefully I don't have to Frankenstein my setup here and I don't have to buy a capture card just yet. Yeah, I I bought the PC version and I've got the PlayStation version as well. Um, So I'll be streaming probably either or. Speaking uh, speaking of Avengers game, I was bored on the toilet the other day, so I finally took the plunge and started playing Marvel Strike Force for the first time. Oh, what's that like? It's actually pretty fun. Like, here's the thing. They had sent me so much promotional material because they're like, hey, man, you're a comic book YouTuber. Do you want to play Strike Force? Do you want to tell people about Strike Force? And I'm like, oh, is that a phone game? Fuck no, (laughs) because phone games are usually bullshit. It's considerably less bullshit. Now, maybe that's just because I got some good early draws, but literally it's like, okay, build yourself an RPG team and fight a bunch of Marvel battles. So I got Luke Cage, the Punisher, and Spider-Man right away. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's a good Ooh, nice, team. Nice. That's a real good fucking team. I'm happy about that. You you, you get all like your superheroes, and obviously you gotta unlock them, so you gotta play every day, and you gotta mm-hmm. get your orbs and your fucking currency that you always do. Yeah. But I'm moving through the story at a good pace, and it's like, ooh, and after you beat chapter one, there's a villain chapter in two, and I'm like, ooh, so there's like a bunch of different villains and everything you can play as. That's pretty good. Cool, cool. I also followed it down like the rabbit hole, and apparently there's like a whole YouTube community for people who only play uh, Strike Force. Yeah, it, it's the same with like a bunch of those other mobile games where they mm. they have like like this huge YouTube community around them. Like I'm sure that Raid Shadow Legends has oh, one. Oh yeah, and of course. Yeah, obviously Strike Force and all the. It's just it's really strange. It's really strange. It is because I'm like, how do you build a community around this? It's all fucking random. Yeah, yeah, it's so strange. It's all random drops. No two people will have the same uh, the same experience. And mostly at the end of the day, it's like, yo, you got to spend some money on it. As JT Wizzy is saying, hey, Julie, you got to get into gotcha games. No, I'm not. I'm not that desperate yet. <laughs> not yet. Maybe soon. 
I mean, I, I, I joked before that I was so bored during this quarantine, I was actually looking into Gundam models and what do I need to start <laughs> that? Because every convention we go to, Matt, you see the Gundam yeah. models, you see yeah. the boxes, yeah. you see the people making them. I'm like, that looks cool. I bet that would be fun yeah. to sit down and make one of these. And then as I looked on, I'm like, oh, you don't need to make Gundams. Oh, they have Transformers. And oh, you can make the Dragon Zord from uh, the Power Rangers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck me. Maybe I should do that then. <laughs> And then it's like, no, 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 you, you need tools, man. You need, like, model glue, and you need, like, mm-hmm. little scissors and little things to yeah. pop it out. And I'm yeah, like, oh, it's a whole thing. and everything to place little parts and everything. Yeah, I'm like, oh, shit, this is way more uh, in-depth than I thought it was. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I like Dungeons & Dragons. What if I get, like, one of those big unpainted dragons and I get the little brushes and the loop to paint it? I've been painting them. Where, where are my ones? I where are my ones? Oh, I yeah, got the Resident Evil... Board game, and I've been painting the pieces for it. Oh fuck yeah! And um, it's it's really fun. It's it's therapeutic. Yeah. yeah, that's what I heard about it. That's what I like. Yeah, you put on some smooth jazz and paint my little miniatures. <laughs> Maybe that's how I'm gonna enter fucking thirty. It's <laughs> what I need to calm myself. Well, now that I know you're into it, now I don't feel so weird. What what do I need for that? Um, well, I bought the like the like Dungeons and Dragons do their own paint sets. Yeah, and yeah. I and they, I bought the starter kit that comes with like the primer and like your base colors, and that's the only one I've got so far because if if you're good enough, you can mm. mix the base colors to make all the other colors. Oh. Um, the only thing is, it's like little bottles, so like after a while, you'll have to buy more. Clever. And, and clever. I think that's where they get you. That's where they there get you. That is where they get you. Also, too, I didn't think I'd have good enough eyes for it. Uh, I finally <laughs> uh, picked out my glasses this week after, like, literally at the beginning of this whole quarantine thing, I went, got my eyes tested, got my prescription for it, then fucking four months disappeared, but I finally made an appointment, went on it, and I'm finally getting my goddamn glasses. Nice, nice. Thankfully, I don't need them for reading because that's my job, but it would be nice to be able to play video games while sitting on the couch and not needing to go. <laughs> yeah, not right needing to lean it. forward. <laughs> yeah, because my far vision is so bullshit. That's why I haven't beaten Ghost of Tsushima yet, because I'll start playing and then my eyes will start watering and I'll get a headache and I'll be like, ugh. <laughs> I can't do this for long. Oh, you mentioned Resident Evil, Matt, so of course the chat wants to know your opinion now. Yo, what's up with that Netflix Resident Evil, man? Uh, pain. That's what's up with it. Sounds like, uh, what is it? They're like, hey, Stranger Things is popular. How can we put Stranger Things in Resident Evil? That seems to be Netflix's go-to thing. It's like, how can we make this show that has nothing to do with, like, Stranger Things or, like, kids, Stranger Things? How can we make it that? They already did it with Lock and Key, and yeah, there was, like, kids in Lock and Key, but they're like, okay, this is all we're gonna focus on now. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's... you see it with also stuff like Umbrella Academy, where they did, where mm. um, that's really popular because again, it's they Stranger Things it up and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I don't know why they continue to do this. And Resident Evil was just like a series that, like this, there's I think in the whole series, one child, yeah, and then and that's Sherry Birkin, and yes, yeah, there's one child in the whole. I don't know what what you know made them go this way obviously because of stranger things but why did they see that and think that's a good idea yeah that uh that seems very odd and they made it so that it's like a character who doesn't have children has children now and yeah and wesker's uh, kids yeah i said on twitter why not do it the opposite and focus on because wesker was part of an experiment when he was a child Mm, focus on that and you'd, you'd basically make it deadly class (laughs) 
in yeah, the Resident which, Evil universe, which would make which, sense because that's exactly what it was. Yeah, that's a pretty solid pitch. I would watch that or hell, even as you said, what's what's wrong with just doing a show where a bunch of like uh, over militarized cops go to a creepy mansion and it's filled with zombies? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the movie, uh, the TV shows write themselves. Instead, they're doing it like the movies because as well as those children, we're getting two timelines where it was like the future timeline is set in like the post-apocalypse which is really really funny because in none of the resident evil games is like they're like a you know post-apocalypse zombie stuff that's that one that's movie the, it's the one the, the the one unique thing about resident evil is that the zombies don't cause an apocalypse yeah and that's, that's what's really that's cool lazy. about it lazy yeah it's just so lazy Let's make it something it's not. Oh, well, maybe if we wait another decade, we'll get an actual Resident Evil adaptation. Uh, I don't know. Not as long as Sony has the fucking rights to it. I guess not. The chat brought up, too, as we're talking about reboots and things that aren't great. (laughs) I'm sure you saw the article, too. I was laughing about it. CW is developing a Powerpuff Girls uh, Mm reimagining with them as basically edgy teens, uh, remorseful over the fact that they lost their childhood to being superheroes. (laughs) Yep, yep. You can already tell how the show is going to go. That sounds like a fucking parody of something CW would do. That it's sounds something, like something a robot like, something, chicken. Yeah, robot chicken or like funny, funny or die would do. Like how they did all those Batman sketches around the Nolan yes. Batman film. It sounds like that. Literally sounds like that. Also, too, hey, the last time you brought Powerpuff Girls back, even as a cartoon, wasn't well received. Apparently, oh yeah, you know, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Apparently, only Craig McCracken knew how to make all of this work. And I guess Lauren Faust, too. And I guess uh, Gendy Tartakovsky was involved in some of those, too. You know, they... That that actual talent was involved. Actual talent, yeah. Like that's that's the problem. All those Cartoon Network originals that we love so much belong to their time and place. And I don't think it's worth resurrecting them because you just you just can't do the same stuff i mean hell even dexter and powerpuff girls weren't really themselves by the end when they changed the voice cast around there's a great uh episode near the end where they literally made fun of the fact in powerpuff girls where they couldn't get away with as much cartoon violence as they used to (laughs) that's great yeah where it's like hey why do these uh white flashes keep happening every time (laughs) yeah hey i swear i hit him but then nothing happened (laughs) that's great i'm surprised they actually haven't done like what they're doing with the powerpuff girls now with like dexter's laboratory i'm surprised there hasn't been some exec being like we could have our own young sheldon show ah oh god help us no yeah Also, too, here's the other thing about Powerpuff Girls. They didn't look like real children. They were like weird aliens without fingers, even though everyone else had fingers. How the mm-hmm. fuck are you going to square that circle? Oh, just lean into it. Lean into it. They all have like some weird body horror or something. Yeah, that they're like weird mutants and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, on that note, because I may never get a chance to mention this. Yo, that Powerpuff Girls movie might be the only good prequel they've ever made. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not really about them. The emotional weight is held by the professor and being a father and everything. That's what it's all about. It helped, too, that the show never really touched on the origin. It made reference to it, but you never saw it. Yeah, yeah, it left it really ambiguous. So when they actually did it, they had a lot of room to do it. But, you know, now now I'm just rambling. I could uh, I could talk about freaking, uh, what is it, Cartoon Network shows forever. <laughs> yeah, speaking, well, speaking of Cartoon Network shows, isn't there a new Samurai Jack game out? 
Yes, yes, there is. I haven't had a chance to play it yet because I'm still playing my other samurai game, but it looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was just like a remaster or something, but no, no, no apparently it's a completely new game. Yeah, and they, uh, what is it? They brought back all the original voice cast, even for, like, weird side characters. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty fucking dope that they did that. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I wonder, too, was that game probably in development back when they did the last new season, but because video games take so much longer than cartoons to make? Yeah, it feels like it was meant to come out, like, around the time the, the show maybe ended or something, or, mm. like, to, to help market it or something. Yeah. It's fun, though. Again, I don't know what their idea was. Hey, let's put out our samurai game right next to this other big samurai game. <laughs> Maybe that was the, the the thing. It's like, everyone's going to love this samurai game, and we'll give them this other game that's from another beloved samurai property. <laughs> I mean, maybe who's to say, hey, kids, you might not be M for Mature and you might not be able to play Ghost of Shishima, but you sure can play Samurai Jack. <laughs> Jack to the future. I forget what the subtitle was. Jack in time. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I put it off long enough. I guess we have to talk about the news now, Matt, even though I really didn't want to because this one... This is just a heartbreaker. The biggest news this week was, of course, the passing of Chadwick Boseman, who sadly left us all on Friday at the age of 43 after what we discovered was a four-year-long secret bout with colon cancer. Yeah, th this was quite shocking. I, I, everyone Very. was shocked. Like When I first saw it, I thought it because it was posted by someone that I saw that I know posts a lot of shit posts. I'm thinking, ah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like a, you know, a, a cracked article or something, you know, something funny, but no, it's completely real. And yeah, it, it's really shocking. It is uh, legit. Uh, the second half of this show is going to be another interview. Everybody. I talked to Jason Inman and literally Inman's phone went off when I was talking to him and he posted it in the chat cause he couldn't believe it. So you actually get our actual reactions wow. on video as this happened. Wow. So look forward to that, everyone. But yeah, this this is just unfair and cruel and just another notch in the fucking hell year that is 2020 that steals all joy from us at all times. Yeah, it just, yeah, it's just insane. And it's even more insane to think that he knew about this for four years like i think mm -hmm. he, he 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 had like like i think it was stage two or something and it was seemed like he was beating it and then he yeah. somehow got stage three and that's like where it becomes terminal um but yeah he knew all of this while he was filming like avengers and the, the five bloods and all of those sorts Crazy. of things and he just still kept going and no one knew about it no one no knew. I mean, in Hollywood, where everything comes out and nothing is secret, the, man, the fact that this man was able to keep a battle with cancer secret, and the fact that he was able to retain his mass and still be <laughs> happy and joyful in interviews and red carpets and everything is just, you know, just fucking insane. The man was dedicated as all hell, and naturally, because he's not with us anymore, you know, people dig up all these great quotes and video clips of him, and, you know, he, he did one that really stuck out to me, where he's like, you know, I probably could have broken into Hollywood much sooner if I was willing to, you know, take roles that I didn't quite agree with, like, oh, you know, you'll be gang member number four, mm -hmm. or drug dealer number five, and he's like, no, I wanted to wait for roles that I really cared about and roles that, you know, I could really embody. And, of course, he was Thurgood Marshall, he was Jackie Robinson, even <laughs> before he was Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, he played all these, like, great black icon roles. Yeah, 
And I mean, even the fact that he was taken from us so criminally soon, you know, he leaves behind a truly amazing body of work. Uh, again, I, I'm glad I got to see Defy Bloods, which mm -hmm. is probably my favorite Spike Lee movie in a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really damn good. Yeah, he has a small part in it, but he is really, really freaking good in that. And his, uh, his last movie uh, with Viola Davis is actually coming to Netflix later this year. So that Ooh. definitely becomes a much wonder if they'll move now. it up. Yeah, I mean, you would think that. I mean, come on, Netflix, what else do you got going on right now? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, such such a fucking tragedy there. A guy taken from us way too soon. A guy who I, you know, really loved as an actor, but who I know for other people meant so much more mm -hmm. that, like, and you saw this all over social media, you know, young people of color being like, hey, with him, I knew that heroes could look like me. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, really fucking touching and really transcends movies and transcends superheroes and becomes something so much uh, unto itself. And it's just like, just damn, man, just damn. Yeah, very, very shocking. Very shocking. Uh. I, I mean, I, I guess, too, because people will probably ask be asking about this, even though I personally think it's maybe a little too early. What what do they do for the future of the Black Panther franchise, which was a billion-dollar franchise before this? Do they... I sincerely doubt they would recast no. at this point, because how could you fill his shoes? You yeah, couldn't. They, they, there's no way they'll be able to do that. They're, like Even if they got, like, the best actor to come mm. in and play him, and it's like... You know, you don't even know the difference. That You'd still know the difference. Yeah, you absolutely would. I mean, the, truth be told, over all the movies he was in from, uh, what is it, Winter Soldier to Civil War. He wasn't in Winter Panther. Soldier. He was just in Civil oh, was War. Just in, okay, just in Civil War. From Civil War to, uh, yeah, to the Avengers ones to Black Panther. He did end up having a hell of an art King T'Challa in and of mm -hmm. itself. And even though if it would be to be ended prematurely, you still can't say he didn't have an arc. I mean, I guess the obvious choice would be, okay, let's call up the actress who plays Sh uh, Shuri maybe a little earlier than we wanted because, well, she was Black Panther in the comics. Yeah, that, that'll probably be where it's going. And I think even, even he himself, Chadwick, said that like Black Panther is a mantle. It's not yeah. like devoted to one particular character, and yeah, they. It's definitely going to be very weird what they'll have to do with it because I. I think even in um, Ryan Coogler's tribute to him, he mentioned that he'd been writing Black Panther two with Chadwick in mind, like oh, wow. telling him lines and everything, what they're writing and everything. So that all has to change now, or maybe they won't change that and just add a bit more to explain where he's gone why he's passed on and everything i guess so yeah you know it's funny i, I went back and i rewatched black panther last night as i'm sure many people did and man that movie hits so much harder now because so much of that movie is about t'challa dealing with the grief and the mm -hmm. loss of his own father mm -hmm. and everything and so much of that movie is about loss and moving on and rebuilding from great tragedy and it's just like oh man mm -hmm. yeah you have to wonder what was going through his head because when he was filming that, he I think that was when he got diagnosed because it was, he was fine during his Civil War, and I think it was during Black Panther and Avengers is when he was diagnosed with this. So you have to wonder like what was going through his head when he was saying lines like when when T'Challa comes back from the dead and yeah, all of that yeah. sort of stuff. You know, you have to wonder. 
Absolutely. As Lich Lord Chris brings up, it is now horribly ironic that the character of T'Challa Black Panther, as of the last issue of Empire, is dead slash MIA, and boy, I bet Marvel is fucking kicking the shit out of themselves now, where it's like, oh, I, they didn't know that was going to happen. No, no, I, yeah, that that's that's really strange timing. Again, it's like stuff like this happens all the time, and it's always so strange. Fucking the universe is weird, man. It's really, really freaking weird. But, you know, our our hearts go out, of course, to Chadwick Boseman, his family, his loved ones, his friends for, you know, what what little it is worth here on our end of the Internet. And just, man, go go get yourself checked for colon cancer mm-hmm. if you are of the certain age, because it is it is a silent killer, Matt, in a men our father's age. Most mm-hmm. don't end up doing it. And, you know, it's a type of cancer that's not talked that much about, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely go see a doctor if you think something might be wrong. Even if there isn't anything wrong, do it. Yeah, I, what do they say, like, is once every year or something? Annual yeah, checkup. Get a, get a check. Like, I tell you what, I have not gotten mine, and I feel like, yeah, you know what, I really should, because you never know. No, well, especially if someone like Chadwick was, what, 43? Yeah. Yeah. Which is very fucking young in the greater scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, all right, I guess moving on from there, from sad news uh, to some other hopefully more uplifting news, there's going to be a new Spider-Man book uh, hitting Marvel in January. Yeah, and I feel like we might have talked about this one like months ago, like all those yeah. hints at like a new Spider-Man book coming. Yeah, I don't think it had a name yet, but yes, this is Joe Kelly and Chris Bocciolo with their new book, Nonstop Spider-Man, which, man, Spider-Man has had so many prefaces and subtitles. I think he's had more than just about any other. He's been amazing. He's been web of. He's been superior, and now he's nonstop. Yeah, and when when I was looking this up, the the, the premise was, was kind of vague. It was... Like we don't really Very. know what it's about, but apparently it's going to be nonstop action. <laughs> yeah, this what this sounded like to me is, hey Joe Kelly, we really liked that Spider-Man Deadpool book you did, and that sold pretty well in trade, so we want to keep you around on a project. So here, just take a Spider-Man. Yeah, just you know, throw throw a bunch of action at him, put Deadpool in it every now and then. Yeah, there you go. That's what this sounds like. I uh, maybe it'll be great. I don't know. From as we said, from like the little uh, snippet we got to read of it, I'm like, well, this this doesn't sound like anything too grabbing. And I mean, Spider Man itself, just keeping up with everything that's going on in that book, feels like a mm-hmm. lot of work in and of itself. Oh, it is. It is. Believe hey, me. Did, <laughs> did uh did that other Spider Man book end? The one from uh, what's his face, the director? Uh, JJ Abrams. It got to issue two, and then that's it like i don't even know if it's continuing anymore (laughs) yeah i was gonna say is that because no one's mentioned it and no one really seems like they missed it is that one just gone and dead in the water now or like i I have no idea i have no idea it got to issue three and then yeah it just kind of i think it was meant to be five issues right this this is in january too and yeah as everyone is saying we're going to be getting those point fives in October as part of, uh, what is it, uh, Matthew Rosenberg coming on the book and Last Remains mm-hmm. and everything. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of Spider-Man. I don't know if I want to take this one on as well. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Spider-Man. And I, I guess maybe that was probably because, like, that would be around the time when they probably have w- was meant to start advertising for the next Spider-Man film and, like, yeah. whatever the fuck Sony's up to with Venom. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably 100% right on that one. But, uh, hey, you know, I mean, every book is for somebody. I know 
a lot of people who I talked to positively loved that Joe Kelly uh, Deadpool Spider-Man book, so they're probably going to pick this one up too. I never gave that book much of a chance, as much as I respect Joe Kelly's work. He he writes very old-fashionedly. I don't feel like I'm reading a new comic when I read his. I feel like I'm reading one from 20 years ago. Yeah, it, well, it's it's very much the same as like like Peter David. Like, like they, yeah. both of them are like like the the older guys, and yeah, they have a, a certain style about them. Where you're reading a book from like the, the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, which is funny because you know you look at someone like uh, Jerry Conway, who's been in the industry forever, but you read one of his books, and it's like, wait, this guy's how many years old? Yeah, he's like yeah, seventy. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. He he somehow cracked that code. <laughs> very much so. It's it's interesting how some writers very much feel of the decade they got famous in and then they never stopped updating their style and other writers never stop updating their style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So, uh, yeah, there's there's your Spider-Man news, everyone. Uh, from there, we have, ooh, some Marvel movie news. Uh, the Eternals movie loses the the in its name now. <laughs> it's just Eternals now. <laughs> you picked this news over the Eternals actually getting a book coming back soon. Oh, I knew we were going to talk about that too. This is this isn't a big enough story, but yes, the Eternals is just Eternals now. The the will be missed. Yeah, it, it got sent over with James Gunn to the Suicide Squad. Yeah, really. There, the 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 got a better deal for Suicide Squad. <laughs> it Bigger got, trailer, it got more for Tweets it made twenty years ago, and then uh, DC the picked the. it up and gave it a movie. As they tend to do. Man, the the, that doesn't fly anymore, the the. <laughs> but yeah, so on top of this as well, uh, last week we saw that Karen Gillan, and I forget who the artists are, is actually going to be taking the new Eternals book. Uh, Isad Ribic is doing it. Oh, he's very good. Yes, yes he is. He's going to draw some very pretty pictures for some very silly, very out there Jack Kirby characters. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very intrigued to see uh, the Eternals return because obviously they were killed off in that uh, uh, No Avengers. Road Home. But no, it wasn't even No Road Home. It was just the first arc of Aaron's Avengers. He killed them. I'm sure they died off in, in that um, No Surrender, No Road Home series. No, no, that was the final, the final host killed them in the first arc of uh, Avengers, no, or uh, first arc of uh, Aaron's Avengers. Okay, I, okay. I will, I, I will bet you five dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, that, that's right, because it was happening at the same time as it was, Surrender. Yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, which was a hell of a thing. Uh, yeah, Karen Gillan, you know, uh, it's funny, you know, his work has always kind of been like hit and miss for me. But then I read uh, his Die book that he did, his independent mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, yo, this man fucking knows fantasy. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. He's done, he done a bunch of the um, Star Wars books, and they're really good. That's true. So, you know, if he can bring that space fantasy uh, thing to Eternals, I think would be pretty good. Now, what what was the tagline of this book? Because there was a really interesting tagline that uh, stuck out to me. I cannot remember. It was something like we die, we lose, we die, we win, something like that. It was really, it was really good, and I think pretty telling of what the book was going to be about. Oh, where is it? Uh, they put it on the art or something. It was, it was pretty good. It was a pretty fucking cool thing to say. Oh, never die, never win. Okay. Never die, never, w- which is interesting. 
because the whole gimmick of the Eternals is that they're eternal, they're basically immortal, and it didn't matter that Jason Aaron killed them when he did, because fuck it, they're just gonna come back anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, th- they're baking that into the story now, never die, never win, I wonder what that means. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to them coming back, I just hope that with these weirder characters coming back, we, we finally get to see more Inhumans come back. Yeah. Well, apparently Donny Cates has your back for Inhumans, because when he showed the end of the world, Black Bolt and all the other Inhumans were hanging yeah, out there. I saw that. I saw he's the only one at Marvel carrying a torch for them. <laughs> Indeed he is, especially now that we know that every Donny Cates story is connected, that he's actually <laughs> been telling one big long story. Yeah, yeah. That all eventually ends with Thanos being the last one alive, the creation of the cosmic Ghost Rider, uh, Null, uh, what is it, the Silver Surfer, who is now the not-so-Silver Surfer, uh, King Thor going crazy, and uh, yeah, the Inhumans are involved in there too. We don't know to what extent the Inhumans are involved, (laughs) but they are also involved in this story somehow. Yeah, they're going to get their time to shine. They're going to get their time to shine. I really, I'm really thinking I need to make that video. I need to sit down and do like the, hey, all of Donny Kate's stories are connected. Here's <laughs> oh, how. Here's a two hour long video. <laughs> yeah, Donny Kate's has been telling one long mega story. Yeah, geez. You just didn't know it until now. <laughs> also, Fortnite is also involved in this story, too. <laughs> It's because he wrote that for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, you think I'm joking about the Fortnite is involved thing, but no, that's 100% true. This new arc with Thor fighting powered up Galactus is also related to Fortnite. I saw that comic and I'm like, I bet if I reviewed this, I'd get a lot of views. No, no, I have higher, I have higher, you know, (laughs) self-worth than that. I have principles. (laughs) Yeah, I have principles. This is this is a make it or break it moment, Joel. That being said, that sixth issue of that Thor book, uh, I got so many Fortnite kids commenting on that because they're like, "How does this? Yeah, because like, how does this connect to Fortnite? I need to know the Fortnite lore that is important here." I'm like, "That's a thing," and I had to go and look it up, and I'm like, "Holy fuck, I, that's a thing!" I, 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 yeah, I saw the comments before I saw that the fact that Thor was going to be in Fortnite, and I'm like, "What the fuck are these people going on about?" <laughs> same and then yeah so i'm like oh that'll be it yeah it's all it's all connected man it's a rich rich fucking tapestry and i love i love i had to learn a thing and it had to seem like an old man where it's like i'm just over here with my comics and now all these Fortnite kids are stiff now you you get off my lawn Fortnite kids <laughs> can we start charging v bucks for our reviews oh man oh man that's where the real money is in the v bucks you're onto something there matt v bucks and the roblox I will I will give you a skin. It might be it might be chicken skin, but I will give you a skin for some V-Bucks. Yeah, I didn't specify in which game. Yeah, for real I didn't. Here, here's some skins. Uh well this seems to be a Trojan skin condom, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's what I had. Now get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I have thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> Badum tish. <laughs> they might be expired, don't use them, but tish. <laughs> Yeah, Fortnite is now canon in Marvel Comics. Wrap your fucking brain around that, everybody. Jesus. Also, Star Wars. Also, important Star Wars stuff is now chopped up and sold off to Fortnite. Yes, yes. Important plot he- plot specific things to new movies is is in. You have to have played Fortnite to understand what's happening in the new Star Wars films. Did, did you ever think, like, if you could go back in time just five years ago and be like, hey, you know that game Fortnite? Oh, yeah, that, like, zombie thing? 
that they were doing at E3 a little bit. Yeah, well, no one's going to care about that. They're going to create a whole new genre called the Battle Royale genre, and everyone's going to play it, and it's going to be the biggest, craziest thing that's going to take over the fucking world. Yeah, and you're, you're going to want to play it because it, it, it's it's plot-specific to Star Wars. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> Get out of here, me from the future. Also, what are the winning lotto numbers? Oh, sorry, I didn't get that. I just got this Fortnite news. I thought you'd want it now. Yeah, it's more important. God, I'm stupid, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so there's your eternal news, everyone. Should be cool. Should be something to look into, especially because, you know, this will probably give us a good idea of what the new movie is going to be about and how it's going to play. Yeah, well, I think as well, like in some of the art, some of the characters have been changed to what they are in the movies and it kind of makes sense because it's like yeah the characters died off and now they've been resurrected so they can be you know you know a different gender or a different race mm-hmm. now where's where's my kamel najani i want my kamel najani <laughs> yeah, does one look like kamel najani <laughs> yeah i have already decided he is my favorite character because i just <laughs> genuinely love kamel najani and have been following his career forever basically and the fact that he did so good and now gets to be in a marvel movie i kind of feel like i'm in a marvel movie (laughs) (laughs) oh man so uh yeah there's uh there's eternals everyone drink it drink it in like the fine wine that it is Now, uh, from there, we move to a story that's kind of a non-story, but kind of a jumping-off point for, like, a million other things that happened this week around this story. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Mutants cast member dunks on New Movie as it came out this week. Uh, Maisie Williams, of course, who you will know as Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, was also in New Mutants at some point in the five to a million years that that movie was in development. (laughs) And uh, she did a brilliant thing this week, proving that she is a goddamn treasure and that we do not deserve her. She retweeted a bad review, calling it the worst X-Men movie of all time. And she said, that sounds like a ringing endorsement. You should buy tickets now. (laughs) But then also, you probably shouldn't buy tickets because as it came out, like, I, I am very surprised it lasted until like two days before the movie came out. It came out that Josh Boone is... Maybe kind of a bit of a racist. <laughs> oh, oh, is he ever? Because they changed, uh, what is it? They changed the Brazilian character. Uh, what is it? Uh, why am I? Uh, DaCosta. Uh, uh, yeah, Roberto. Yeah, Roberto. Who, of course, his whole story is that he is a black Brazilian, and that's very important. Well, they cast a white guy, which, yeah, I guess they did. I didn't notice it, because, again, I wasn't paying fucking close attention to this movie in the four years that it was in development. It was easy to ignore. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they asked him about that, it's like, hey, why did you change the very important race of this character? He's like, well, I don't care about racism. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And it's like, oh, oh, that would have been bad to say that four years ago. It's really fucking bad to say that now in 2020. <laughs> well, I don't care about racism, he says. Well, you should. <laughs> what, what, what's even like crazier about it is that none of this was heard about um, in the years it took to for this movie to finally come out. He, he like waited until like a day before the movie was actually coming out to like say all right. this sort of shit. Yeah. the chat saying his statement was the equivalent of i don't see color well then you're fucking blind <laughs> in that case but but it got better well actually it got much worse better is the wrong word to describe it uh uh footage of course from cam started uh going all around the internet there of iliana Rasputin their magic 
being weirdly fucking racist to Danny Moonstar and, like, anti-Native American. I'm like, she's not like that in the comics. Where the fuck did this come from? You know what I, you know what I reckon it was? I reckon it was someone along the line was just like, well, oh, she's, she's Russian. Oh, that means she's, she's bad. She's bad person. Uh-huh. Because, you know, Russia is bad now. Acting you know? a fool now, yeah. So, so, yeah, just make her the bad guy, I guess. That's... <laughs> That's so weird. It's also like it feels like oldly weird fashion, like old fashioned too, to like be dumping on aboriginals. It's like leave them the fuck alone. Have they not <laughs> been through enough? That's so weird. Out of the blue to be like, yeah, let's just take a dump on fucking Danny Moonstar. I'm like, that's weird. And then I thought to to him like, what? What? Wait a minute. They reshot this movie how many times? And they had it on the shelf for four years, and they never did anything about this. Or maybe they didn't. It was much worse. <laughs> yeah, is is this like why it lingered so much? They're like, hmm, how do we like get rid of this without like redoing the whole film? Oh, we can't. Well, fuck it. <laughs> and and then like other stuff came out. Like apparently, in early drafts drafts of the script, Storm was going to be in it as mm-hmm. like a like a nurse ratchet abusive guard in this mental asylum and like what (laughs) it makes no sense whatsoever that's so fucking crazy yeah and it it gets even worse as well because apparently the the artist on the book bob mcleod um oh apparently they got rid of all of like his influence because i think he was kind of consulted on the film Yes, um, he was the co-creator, although, as he said later on Facebook, but go ahead. Yeah, they, they basically just ignored everything he said. They credited him in the film, but they got his name wrong. <laughs> they spelled his name. And this movie's been sitting yeah. on the shelf for, you know, four or five years, and no they one, fixed it. no one bothered to even check that. Yeah, they didn't even check that. In fact, uh, he, he went to Facebook uh mcleod and he went on like a bit of a rant there where he's like yeah so this thing kind of happens all the time in comic movies and comic tv shows they'll go to the creators and be like hey will you sign off on this and say we talked to you when we really didn't jimmy palmiotti has a great story about this relating to jonah hex when they tried (laughs) to do the same thing with him and he's like no (laughs) so with him they didn't and basically mcleod like blew the whole lid off it where it's like so they basically just wanted to put my name on it then they spelled my fucking name wrong but they still wanted me to say nice things about the movie during the production so fuck them and fuck this movie and i'm like ah yes this is this is the final this is the cherry on top of the shit sunday let us let us run through all the reasons that uh new mutants was then and will now always be a shit fire uh was connected to a franchise that was already drowning yeah well yeah and but i think by the time the movie was originally meant to come out it was going to be the final x-men film so yeah so it was connected to a franchise that was already treading water again they delayed dark phoenix a bunch too that eventually came out and that one fucking sucked Mm mm-hmm but, you know, this one's like, okay, well, maybe maybe we can restart the franchise. Maybe we can take it in a new direction. Oh, no, wait, what's that? It got sold? Oh, crap, that means it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, we can't continue with this series. Okay, delay it. Okay, do some reshoots, do some rejiggering to it. Okay, put it on the shelf for four years. Oh, what, that the actors don't even know what it's coming out, so now the actors look stupid when they talk about it? Okay, <laughs> I know. Release it dur- during a fucking pandemic, why don't we, when people will literally be, you know, risking their lives to go see it 
Yeah, can can you imagine like as like I contracted Corona while seeing the New Mutants? <laughs> Should get a pin for that. Should get a free hamburger at Red Robin if you do that. <laughs> then the director in the lead up to this, when you're releasing it a pandemic, uh, admits a bunch of racist things, and then oh yeah, we spelled the co-creator's name wrong. Fuck. <laughs> Just uh, how the, how how. <laughs> New Mutants is a beautiful black hole in which no light can escape, in which there is only <laughs> misery within. So goddamn this movie. If nothing else, it will go down in history as one of the greatest boondoggles, I think, in superhero movie history. I think it's already secured that place in history. Yeah, and not, well, not only that, it's, it's kind of like Sal the New Mutants name. Like, like, who who now is going to be like, oh, I'm going to go pick up a comic of these guys. The movie's fucking awful. Yeah, really. Boy, boy. Yeah, which, that, is, which is really bad considering there's a new Mutants comic happening right now. Out right now, which, again, is nothing like the movie. No, or it's the actually comic, good. But still. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry, everyone. Papa Disney will come in and save us, and maybe, like, when they're done, the first three or four X-Men movies, then they'll do the new Mutants, the new <laughs> oh, class. The, yeah, we're not getting another new Mutants film for a long time. No, 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 no. But, I mean, at least, at least like, you know, pulling a Band-Aid, at least it's done. Yeah, yeah. At least it's fucking done. <laughs> was it at worth least, it, everyone, that was hyping up this film? Was it worth it? <laughs> no, no, it was not worth it. <laughs> not at all but at least it's over now at least at least we can we, we can breathe now nature nature is returning <laughs> uh all right then so th- there's your new mutants talk everyone we just had to get that on camera about just what a horrible fucking mess this is like literally everything that could go wrong with this movie went wrong <laughs> the the only the 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 only thing that could make it better is if they they went through all of production and then they got into the editing phase and realized <laughs> they didn't turn on the cameras. <laughs> oh, we thought we shot it on film, but we actually shot it on fruit by the foot. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, we didn't take off the lens caps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Turns out the movie is actually cursed like the ring video. And if you watch it, you die in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, uh, these days, that's actually kind of true, except you'll die yeah. in two weeks. <laughs> It could happen. Uh, I do know some people who actually did get to see this in uh, L.A. because L.A. has gotten like a bunch of new pop-up drive-in theaters mm-hmm. now, which is a really smart fucking idea. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, hey, for them, at least you got to get out of the house for a little bit and have like a moment of normalcy. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I, c- I could have gone and seen it, but I uh, chose to see Tenant instead, and that probably wasn't a good idea either. Oh, how, how was Tenant? Yeah, it's fine. You're going to want to see it at home with subtitles on, though. Right. Because the the audio mixing is awful, because everyone talks with a mask on through a crackly radio. (laughs) (laughs) What's up with that? That's a a real obsession for Nolan, isn't it? It is. People in masks. It is. People with masks talking and him not wanting to, like, do, um, was it ADR or anything? Apparently, that's something he doesn't actually do. He doesn't do ADR. That's crazy. Huh. Man, that's uh, maybe Tenant is the perfect movie for our time, as we all have to wear masks <laughs> and have to talk through scratchy radios. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why it's so near and dear and true. 
But uh, yeah, so there's the new mutant boondoggle for you, everyone. We wanted to put that down, everything that went wrong with this movie. And man, you know it's bad when the actors are dunking on it and saying, (laughs) don't go see this piece of shit. Like Maisie Williams saying that is basically tantamount to like fucking, uh, what is it, Bill Cosby saying, don't see Leonard Part 6. They're probably just sick of talking about it. They're like, this is a movie I shot, you know, five years ago. I've done so much in that that time Mm -hmm. between, you know, I just want to fucking move on you know fuck yeah. that film <laughs> please please don't let this be a chain around my neck and also the sooner people forget about it maybe the sooner they'll actually cast me in a marvel something <laughs> god must have sucked for Maisie williams oh they hate the end of game of thrones oh they're gonna hate this too fuck my life <laughs> and she seems like such a nice cool person like yeah, when she yeah. shows up in like, she shows up in binging with Babish videos in, like, a million-dollar thing from Fashion Week just because she's a fan of the YouTube show. <laughs> like, how cool is that? She seems like a genuinely nice person. They all genuinely seem like nice people who they put in this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's a shame of what happened with with uh, the director and the production. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah, like I said at the top of the show, I got that Jason Inman interview, but uh, we would be remiss if we didn't close out uh, the first hour of the show without talking about the big comic that came out this week, a comic that, much like New Mutants, was forever <laughs> in development, also, I think, about four years, give or take. Yeah, but the difference here is that it was great, and the creators yeah. haven't said, you know, horribly racist, racist shit thing. <laughs> Yeah, really. I'm sure. I'm sure if you put a microphone in front of Jeff Johns, he would only say something nice and wholesome. Yeah, I think he would. Yeah, he'd say, "Hey, love you, mom." There you go, <laughs> nice and wholesome. Uh, but yeah, that comic, of course, is Three Jokers, which is finally out now. The Black Label book that's maybe in continuity and maybe not, and maybe it was supposed to be, but it's been four years now, and everything's getting rebooted in January anyway, so who the fuck knows anymore? Again, again, Jason, because he kept getting asked it, and he's like, it is in continuity, but it also isn't. Yeah, depends. If it sells a lot, we'll try and work it in. (laughs) So yeah, we got the three Jokers running around, causing chaos in Gotham City. Uh, what, what, What were they designated as? The criminal, the comedian, and the clown? Yep. Which I kind of struggled on clown and comedian. I'm like, aren't those basically the same thing? Well, I guess a comedian does bits and a uh, clown does gags. Yeah, I called the main one the one that was kind of like um, running everything. I just called him Boss Joker. Boss Joker. That's pretty good. I like that. It's also very Metal Gear Big Boss Joker. And it kind of makes sense because he's technically the first Joker. Yeah. He's the oldest, he's the Golden Age Joker, and it's funny, their costumes are very similar, yet they have little things that show them apart, like, uh, what is it, Boss Joker has one big solid coat, because mm-hmm. that's how they drew him back in the Golden Age. Uh, the other Joker, the uh, the Clown Joker, uh, has more, like, bright, crazy colors, because that was the time he's got the orange vest and everything there, and then you got the other one just straight up uh, as he was in Killing Joe. Yeah, and uh, the, the, there's also the fact that, like, like um, yeah, the Killing Joke one is, like, he's the one with, like, the constant smile, whereas the older yeah. Joker is one who's literally he's just a guy in, like, makeup, more or less. He doesn't really smile all that much. He's, he's pensive, I like. Mm-hmm. He's doing this thing a lot, which is always covering his face, so you never see if he's smiling mm-hmm. or frowning. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a very nice art touch there, where it's like, yeah, how is this Joker feeling? You can't tell, because you can't see his face. Again, that, that, that page was actually a callback to his first scene in, when, it, when he first appeared. 
Ah, oh, this thing is just fucking loaded to bursting. Oh, oh it, it absolutely is. Every page is awash in references and Easter eggs and to stuff you might not even consider. Like uh, when Barbara's at the gym, there's a commercial on TV for a drug to cure restless leg syndrome. And that drug is also a drug that we saw in uh, Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another ad. I'm like, oh, that's fun and interesting. And like, uh, what is it? Uh, Lou Moxon, the mobster that he kills. Lou Moxon was like the original Golden Age Batman mobster that like predates Falcone and Thorn and everything else. And they even say was originally believed to be involved in the murder of the Waynes. Yep, yep. We got um, we got uh, Joker's court jester as well. Yes, Gabby. Yep, yep. He's, a, he's a, he looks exactly how he looked uh, way, way, way back because we haven't seen that character in ages. No, we've not. Only like in weird, like non-continuity, uh, little asides. Although this is arguably non-continuity too, but we'll see. But yeah, G- Gabby predates Harley Quinn. In fact, I wonder mm-hmm. will we see Harley Quinn in this story? Because I think she's very important to Joker's history. Maybe I, I know. Um, John said that they won't be having a lot of characters because, like, they ha- he said he toyed with the idea of bringing in like like the Robins and Nightwing mm. and this everything. But it's like, oh, well, I want to keep it to people who have been directly affected by the Joker, which is why we get. Yeah. Jason and Barbara. Which is fun because that's a dynamic we do not yeah. see very much it's in Batman comics. It is, yeah, because, you know, Jason's a hothead, Batman's a little cold and distant, Barbara, you know, tries to bring them both together, and yeah, the thing they have in common is they all have scars left on them by the Joker. In fact, that was the subtitle of this story, Scars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we get to see, that, that there's a great scene which it, it kind of mirrors what happened, the same, because the same sort of thing happened in uh, Heroes in Crisis, except in Heroes in Crisis it was just just an excuse for, to have the artist paint uh bad girl's ass and that's when she mm. shows the the bullet wound in in here it's yeah, done really yeah. tastefully in a really great way yeah yeah i agreed uh there was a lot of that going on here uh man it's nice to read a jason red hood story where he's still a hothead and still a bit of a jerk but not completely insufferable yeah i know right like, you can understand what his anger is born of, and in fact, his anger is very important because that was the, what the Joker was betting on. <laughs> I, I the, the, That end scene, like, the tension that just kept racking up with the Joker kind of uh, goading uh, Jason mm-hmm. into killing him and all that. And I, I love I love the, the lines he delivers where he, it's never, it never was about Jason. Him killing him or not killing him, apparently... Um, was not never about hurting him it was about hurting batman because batman is all that matters yeah and that your whole life you thought you were making choices but you wouldn't where it's like really you're more my robin than batman's (laughs) because i have had such this huge effect on your life and i knew if i could affect your life then that would really hurt him and drive a wedge between you and it's it's really good dialogue and it's joker at his most hateful and i really appreciate that And even in the last few moments where jason's like well yeah barbara if you wanted to stop me maybe you wouldn't have missed on purpose yeah i like that i thought that was and i'm like that's good. I'm like, ooh, Barbara has that same hate, but she like pushes it down and it comes out in other ways. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really clever. Uh, the whole laughing fish scenario. Laughing fish, of course, being one of my favorite retro Batman stories and one of my favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah, it's a good reference. Good reference. We got the shark. We got the little fish. The piranhas. Yeah, yeah. It's an excellent reference. The henchmen that all have Biff Bam Kapow on them, like yeah. the Adam West show. Yeah. 
yeah, there's just a lot going on here. And uh, also, yeah, I guess with three Jokers, we're technically only down to two Jokers. Two Jokers that we know of. I wonder if that's going to be a thing in the next issue where Nola Joker's going to die and it's going to leave one definitive Joker. That would be really cool because that's another thing too. Like they only ever so briefly breach the subject as to why there could be three Jokers. And they're like, oh, well, he clearly just recruited other crazy people and brainwashed them. Never do they say like, oh, maybe it's robots. Maybe it's alternate universes. Maybe it's this, that, or the other. John's confirmed it's nothing to do with multiverse stuff. It's all grounded in reality. And these, there is actually three Jokers. They're not from like different Earths or anything. Huh, that's really interesting. The only clue we even kind of get to the direction of any of this is uh, when Boss Joker says, you know, we're doing this like we've done in times before to create a better Joker. That, that That's what I wanted to talk about, because with that line, that, imp- that implies this whole thing is that they're trying to make it a different Joker, and it, it's got me thinking, and as well as other people in my review also thought this mm. as well, and that is maybe we're going to get a Bat family member who becomes a joker and i think that that could possibly be jason right are we trying to push one over the edge and be like hey if people like this maybe we'll make it canon because i mean shit people liked his death originally so much we made that canon and not only that is there's scenes in the book that kind of like you kind of like hint towards that with like characters like barbara like we get barbara when she's at ace chemicals she's on the ledge the joker originally Mm. fell into the vat and she herself jumps but then swings away but it's it's it, it directly mirrors how he fell into the vat yeah, it's pretty It's pretty cool. And I mean, you know, Jason's the obvious one because it's like, well, yeah, I, I'm Red Hood. I took your old identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it would be cool if we keep getting another Joker every issue because I'm like, you know, you could keep going because, like, we see very firmly, like, here's the Golden Age one, the Silver Age one, and the Bronze to Modern one. But I'm like, there's other Jokers out there you could get that would be fun to see, like the old Dark Knight Returns one, <laughs> like the uh, Flashpoint one. Yeah, yeah. But then again, that would be multiverse, and apparently it's not about the multiverse. Apparently, yeah, he, he, that could just be like uh, he, him giving us a red herring, and we're going to learn, yeah, it's, it's a doomsday clock, you know, reverse or flash something. or something. <laughs> God damn it, uh, Dr. Manhattan was behind it all. Fuck. <laughs> I I will say, you know, uh, this story would probably have hit me a lot harder, too, were I not also reading Joker War right now, because it feels like they touch on a lot of the same material, like, hey, I'm Mm -hmm. stealing chemicals from Ace Chemical to do bad things. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's just one of those things where it's, like, just timing, because this book was meant to come out a couple of years ago, so, yeah. I know. Here's my thing, too. Have they ever properly explained, and maybe someone in the chat can tell me, who the fuck owns Ace Chemical, and why don't they close that godforsaken hellhole down? I was thinking that as well, because there's a line where, uh, where like, Batman wants to learn, like, the paper trail of, like, what was in those, what was in the chemical containers, yeah. and I think it's, like, Bullock is like, ah, Ace Chemicals don't really keep papers. He's <laughs> like, yeah, the, who the, the fuck owns this? I would have thought, like, Batman would have bought the place, like how he tried to buy the Monarch Theatre. Exactly. You would think Batman would have bulldozed that place to the ground and then, like, pissed on the ashes and set them on fire. (laughs) Maybe it's going to be revealed that Joker does own it or something. That's the only thing that makes sense, that Joker owns Ace Chemical through, like, a series of shell companies. (laughs) Because, like, literally that's one of the places, like, this this is the birthplace of evil. Why would you you not destroy it? Like, didn't they destroy, like, Hitler's childhood home in real life? And didn't they do a bunch of shit in real life to be like, make sure this can never happen again? Don't turn this place into a shrine. (laughs) 
the answer is is that because it's comics we have to keep coming back to it because it's shit people know and recognize yeah yeah that's why which is also why the monarch theater is still open it's why uh, crime alley is still there and still called crime alley <laughs> batman didn't try and rename it like niceness alley <laughs> Nope, still Crime Alley all this time later. But, uh, yeah, Three Jokers is cool. I dig it. It's going to be short, too, which is interesting. You know, they're not going to drag out this story, so it definitely has a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, which I'm very much looking forward to. A story that's, you know, quick, easy to pick up, just read. You know, it doesn't seem to be hampered by continuity until it might be. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's just you just pick it up. Again, it's something that, that, that um, Black Label should be. Yeah. Well, again, I'm glad you mentioned the Black Label connection. Content-wise, is there anything here that really makes you think it needed to be Black Label as opposed to just being out of uh, continuity? I don't think they were particularly no. more violent or more sexual or there, if there was even any swearing in it. I think there was one swear word, and that was from, like, Bullock. But I'm like, well, right. you know, who cares, you know? Yeah, and also makes sense. Bullock would be the one to swear. Yeah, yeah. I, again, it's like again, it feels like like when they announced that black label thing. As we said before, it was meant to be for like mature readers and more like yeah. edgy stories. But then they got scared because Lee Lee Brembergiro painted Batman's penis. Yeah, really. And I mean, come on. I mean, you should own that. Batman should be showing up in this story and be like, "Hey, man, I'm the Dark Knight. I'm talking about you know, uh, dick tips and vag lips. Everybody, let's go. I'm Batman." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my new Batman uh, story. The Batman who swears, not the Batman who laughs. It's a universe where <laughs> Batman just swears all the time. <laughs> hey, isn't that just the Frank Miller universe? Yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he doesn't swear, you know, in words that make you uncomfortable. You know, he just swears in words that are hilarious. <laughs> like Chungus. I am the Batman who says Chungus. <laughs> Not a swear word, but sounds like it might be, which are my favorite kind. <laughs> Does that mean anything now? But it's great, though. Yeah, it's the you, you got to say frack instead of fuck. Oh, yeah, there you go. Ah, they're going to frack us on this one. Shock it. <laughs> Com- comics are great with almost swears <laughs> where uh where, where do we think the story is going i guess just so we can like kind of relate to this later because i feel like we've guessed pretty well on where we think this story is going and what uh what is the truth behind the three jokers and chat you get in on this one too what uh what do we think is the reason behind three jokers well obviously the next issue is going to be the next joker which i think is the which one which one died in the first one was it the clown uh yeah yeah because he had like all the uh like whoopee cushion and like weird joke weapons yeah so it'll be the comedian who is the one that was mentioned that jim had cornered somewhere Um, right which which is funny because you think it would be barbara to have a showdown with him considering what he did to her well see this this is where i i want to see it go this way i don't know if it will but it but so batman as of the end of that issue doesn't know that jason killed the seller joker I would like it if, like, Jason and Barbara to to stop, like, whatever Batman would do to Jason, they try and cover it up. Mmm, right, we gotta lie to Batman. That's smart. Also, too, this didn't hit me either. If it's Gordon who cornered the Hawaiian shirt-wearing killing joke Joker, that Joker fucked with him pretty hard, too, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe Jim ends up killing him. I could see that, yeah. 
which again well, maybe, if, again if you, they make a reference to like jim not knowing barbara is batgirl and that could be a thing right. like he holds that over uh jim. true true then again if jim does end up killing that joker that does kind of defeat the whole point of killing joke where gordon's like no one bad day won't drive me crazy no again might not be in continuity that's true, you know, for him to be like, oh, I'm stronger than you like that. That would be like Joker on this big suicide mission where it's like, you'll never kill me, Batman, but I can get your friends and family to kill me, though. Again, yeah, and again, like, he could do it as, like, it could be just like a, um, like a spur of the moment thing. Like, he gets, like, the Joker makes him so angry, like how he did with Jason, that he just yeah, reacts, yeah. and that reaction just happens to be killing the Joker. Right, and then it'll all be one big final showdown between Batman and the Golden Age boss joke, and he's like, ah, don't you see, I was the first, I was the best, ha ha ha. (laughs) Or something like, you know, just, does this make you crazy now, Batman, that your friends are killers? Will this push you over the edge and make you the better Joker? (laughs) Or some shit like that, and then, you know, uh, then we get Batman who laughs again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he appears at the end. Yeah, hey, don't forget me, everybody. It's me, the Batman who laughs. <laughs> I'm now Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I need to be in everything. Because <laughs> I'm fucking crazy. Look at me. <laughs> I've never done this voice before, but I kind of like it. I'm the Batman who laughs. Blah. <laughs> Blah. I guess he's the darkest knight now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not even the thing. Because uh, I, I will give the story this. I, I, I don't know where it's going, and I don't know where the endgame is for it. No, no. There's no real hint at the endgame. All that we know is the Joker wants to make a better Joker. That's that's bad. Yeah. The, the, as much as the endgame as we've got. Right, yeah, which could be could be anything. Could be yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess with that, everybody, uh, we'll start winding the show down. I know it's a little shorter than normal, but again, if you're watching this later on YouTube... And I guess later on Patreon, too. Uh, we got an interview coming up with Jason Inman. Uh, we end up talking the Chadwick Boseman thing again, because that literally happens while we're recording. Uh, he also talks about his new book, Jupiter Jet, coming out. And so with that, uh, me, Joel, now, uh, in the pa- or in the future, is going to throw to Joel <laughs> in the past. And you can have that interview now. So with that, bye-bye, everybody. And hello, and welcome everyone to another installment of Comic Multiverse Interview Edition. And I am very happy today, everyone. I have a guest here, a frequent uh, collab- <coughs> collaborator of the channel and just, you know, of my video making in general. You know him, you love him. It's Mr. Jason Inman, everybody. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me, man. So excited anytime we get to talk. Uh, you're you're one of uh, a few select comic book people on the internet that I love oh. to chat with. So I, anytime we could talk, you, man, you I love it. You swell my ego, sir. Thank you. Before we started, you uh, you <laughs> commented, too, this is the first time you got to see my new hair, which is shocking to some yes, people. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes first time i've ever done this it's funny it really gives me an appreciation for how fast my hair grows because at first it was just like oh i'll do the guy fietti thing i'll just frost my tips and now it's like oh man i got a lot of brown show in there now are you a fan of guy you know it's funny i i go up and down with it where it's like yeah if if i have nothing better to do i will watch a lot of diners drive-ins and dives and then sometimes it's like okay you're a little too much, and then you hear like, "Oh, he gave a lot of food to food banks and does other stuff like that." And it's yeah. like, "Oh, he." That's why, that's why I brought him up. A lot of people like to um, to crap on him, and it, I think it must be a nationwide law, at least in America. Every time I go to a hotel, his show is diners, drive-ins, and dives. Oh yeah, always naturally, on. without a doubt. And but 
he took care of his workers oh, yeah. and he took care of his restaurant workers and he's like a really good guy it apparently turns out. so which again is really flavor country is a nice it's place a nice to place be. to be you want to live in flavor town <laughs> may, may their mayor forever reign uh th- there's a comedian out there i forget who it is but he had a great bit going around twitter where it's like you know guy fieri here's a guy who lived his dream and fed hungry people and we decided to say fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I, I i think there just hits a point when you're so overexposed and you see too much of you mm-hmm. love turns to hate very quickly yes yes I, I i could see that or we also especially in in north america we love to always crap on the successful people even even though we love them sometimes and i think guy fairy gets more crap what than uh, what did carrot top famously say you know uh, people love success they hate successful people that's true. That's very true. Uh, you know, I just finished recently The Last Dance, ah, yeah. the uh, sh- the Chicago Bulls documentary, so which is it is really good, really good. I'm I'm like months behind in my watch list, so like I I know everybody out there is probably like, "Well, how have you not watched The Last Dance till now?" Well, it's, I just had the time to get to it. Uh, but Michael Jordan says that a lot, a lot in that mm. documentary. He was like, "Yeah, people just got after me because I was the best basketball player in the world." And you can't argue with him being the best basketball player in the oh, world. Yeah. I am not a sports guy, but I friggin' love sports documentaries, especially really in-depth ones like that. And yeah, Michael Jordan, such a fascinating character. And the like, yeah, I'm the best in the world at something and was for a very long time. Not everyone can say that, and I sacrificed so yeah. much to get here, and I'm a bit of a weirdo because of it. And I'm just like, yeah, man. And then to like talk about Pippin and Rodman and everything else and being like, yeah, they were also the best team ever, and this is why. Yes. Yeah, it brought it brought back like a lot of nostalgia for me. Another thing watching the documentary brought back a lot of nostalgia. And I think I needed that nostalgia in this current atmosphere mm-hmm. of pandemic and crazy 2020. I think typically going to be the worst year of anyone's yeah. lifetime that is alive right now. Um, but like I got a lot of nostalgia for the dream yeah. team, the 1992 dream team, the U.S. team that just dominated the world. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt, and became the biggest things, the biggest sports celebrities. Again, it's a great documentary. I know this is a comic book yep. nerdy podcast, but like, even if you don't give a crap about sports, you should probably watch The Last Dance just because it's like really, really well put together. Yeah, like you know what? Even if you're not into sports, you know, comic books shouldn't be your whole thing. They always say like, um, I've always heard this about writing advice. It's like if you're writing a screenplay. You should not just only watch movies. Mm. You should go read prose books. You should go read poetry because, like, you need the different outside sources. Same with comic books. If all you read is comic books, then your your sphere of creativity mm. and excitement is very limited. So if all you've been doing is reading comic books the last three months, go watch a sports documentary. It will expand your brain in ways, in very good ways, that you never yeah, thought it of. It helps make you a more well-rounded person, too. Uh, 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 on exactly. that same bent, because, hey, you know, we all need something to watch, and we all need something recommended. Uh, <laughs> go check out another sports documentary out there called Ice Gladiators. It's about uh, the, the, the many Ooh. goons of hockey, the players who were brought onto teams, not because they were particularly good players or skaters, but because they could fight, and they fight every night on skates it is a really really interesting documentary about a subject i'm sure a lot of people don't think that much about interesting i i have not i have not heard of that one so i will definitely add it to the it's, list it's on canadian netflix i think i'm not 100 percent certain if it's on american netflix hey hey i have a vpn hey, and i can change they, it man why does no <laughs> vpn uh what is it sponsor this podcast yeah come on nord come on other guys get on that <laughs> 
that's the one I use, not sponsored at all there by Nord. Go. Please sponsor Come on, Cape Nord, Girl. get on there. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, this actually perfectly, you know, weaves into my next question, or my first question, sure. I should say, and that is, hey, man, how you been keeping up during this pandemic thing? This is the first time, you know, us touching base face-to-face and everything. How how you doing? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I did pretty well for about the first couple mm. of months. I, I find it's like a wave. Like, there, there, are, there are good times and there are bad times, and about... Two months into it, I got a pretty good good equilibrium. Mm. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to start working out again. I, I, I know how to like fit my full-time job. Because my full-time job has not stopped during this. Right. Um, my The CBS television show that I cannot name <laughs> due to NDAs. Although, um, I will tell you, if you go to Variety, you can figure hey. it out. Um, it's there. Like Some stuff came out this week. And if people put two plus two together, they'll figure it out really easily. Um, but uh, that show never stopped. It went full virtual. And so, like, adapting to that at the same time of, like, keeping the podcast stuff going and, like, writing our comic book stuff, uh, it goes in waves. Like, I, I, I can make it all work, and then I can't. And then I can make it all work, and then I can't. So, um, I will say the probably the best thing to come out of this insane time is that I've learned really quickly what what self-help stuff really works for me or like what self-care like stuff really works for me. Um, and I hope I can keep that going forward, but, um, yeah, man, I don't know. How have you, Uh, you know, again, there was a scary couple months there when no new comic books were coming out and I was just kind of hitting my head against the wall. Like, Oh my God, what do I do now to keep the channel (laughs) afloat? And I, I got creative. I did some stuff. I thank God for DC putting out those digital books when they did and people being so hungry, they actually cared to, Mm -hmm. you know, watch videos on what I made about them. Uh, there were some great stories. There was that that Robert Vendetti Superman was the best Superman book. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I really like the Mark Russell Batman That was one also too. solid. I love me some Mark mm-hmm. Russell. Dude is funny. Yes. Uh, if you are not reading Billionaire Island, the book that he's putting out through Ahoy Comics, mm-hmm. very small company, but he's been publishing this book called Billionaire Island that is basically about, and it's very oh, yeah. topical for now, it's a it's about all the billionaires of the world have like made their own private utopia, and if you don't have a billion dollars in your bank account, you cro- can't cross yeah, the border. Yeah. It is genius um and i'm so happy they to be honest with you i'm just going to say this right now mark russell is my favorite comic book writer working right now i think he's very he's very definitely funny. one of the most interesting i i keep hoping he gets harley next that's been my fan pitch forever he should ride harley next that is a great idea dude i never would have put that well done funny character put the funniest writer you have he's in the dc family i bet he would kill it and i bet it would be super topical and super meta I'm going to say this, um, you know, because Harley Quinn often gets compared to this character. Um, I would kill to see a Deadpool run by him because yeah. it's been a long time for me to have given any damn about right. Deadpool. Because, look, everyone out there, I know you're big Deadpool fans. The movies are great. Um I really haven't cared for Deadpool since the original kind of Joe Kelly solo run. Like, that's the run that made me love the character because it had the jokes, but it had the character work mm. under it as well. So I really loved it. And a very brand new Ed McGinnis was yeah, working yeah. on it. Um, and ever since then, Deadpool has turned into this, like, sort of Wiley Coyote. And I'm fine with the Wiley Coyote stuff, but I want the heart underneath it, which is something I thought the movies did oh, very yeah, totally. well. Um, and so I think Mark Russell could do a really good job with that Super as well. Great. But yeah, you're dead on. Like he is, he is like sort of like DC has kept him bottled up, yeah. rightly so. Um, but yeah, his Harley Quinn, 
man. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a crazy thing. There are writers at DC right now where you're like, why isn't Tom King, or excuse me, why isn't Tom Taylor, I get them mixed up nah, just like nah. they do on Twitter, why isn't Tom Taylor writing just It's a slam because dunk. It, it's a slam dunk, and with and you look at Mark Russell, and you're like, why isn't he writing Harley Quinn? Not not <laughs> only is he not writing Justice League like he should be, his uh, Suicide Squad is coming to what seems to be an abrupt end at only 11 issues. He says he wanted it to be 11 issues, but I'm like, who ends with an odd number of issues? Yeah, fair, fair. That right? seems... Which, again, hey, I hope if the reason he's not doing that is because they want to bring him to Justice League, or they want him to bring him to something bigger. I think, you know, to be honest with you, I think that's that's got to be a plan somehow. I really do. Like, they keep having him write the sort of tie-in Justice mm-hmm. League books instead of the main book. And you're just like, how many more additions does this guy got to do before you're going to give him the reins to the entire universe? I, I predict that once Scott Snyder rides off into the mm. sunset for a creator-owned comic In books, I have a feeling that's when the end of the keys. Yeah, yeah. That, would be, uh, that would be super, super cool. At least yeah. that helps. Speaking of Mark Russell, too, did you ever read his criminally underrated and underread Prez series from DCU? Yes. I have oh the trade. I've kept Man, the you and me, man. I, I evangelized that book to anyone who will listen. Like, mm-hmm. this was so smart and so ahead of its time. And the best. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. yeah, nobody knew what it was. Yeah, you're right. Nobody knew what it was. I mean, I've held on to that trade because I'm like, they'll oh, never. Oh, God, no. This. Never, never, ever are they going to reprint that. So smart. So genius. <laughs> I wish it got a proper conclusion. And it kills me that it didn't. Did it? I thought it did in like a backup in, or something. Am I wrong? They about got that? one more issue in the Catwoman Election Night special back in 2016. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that was the. <laughs> I love that you. I love that you could pull that. Because it. I'm like, why are you ending it here? No one's gonna read this except for me. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, yeah, you know, I've been trying to hang in there during this quarantine, trying to stay busy and everything. I haven't made it to the pool in the condo. They put up, like, a million new rules, as they rightfully should, where it's like, hey, we're closing all the locker rooms, and you got to wear a mask, and you got to do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. Maybe I'll just stay in and imagine I went to the pool. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Our our condo building has been doing kind of the same thing, like uh, picking up our mail from the front building has become a new experience Mm. that I didn't think would be any more difficult than it already was. And then, yeah, the pool. It's crazy to think about that September is at at the time of this recording right now to us is like a couple days away. And and you're just like, for me, you know, I've kept this as I was a kid, like summer has always been June, Mm. July, August. And it's crazy to be like, oh, this entire summer went by and we've been stuck in the blink of an eye. We lost a whole summer. Mm -hmm. I I feel the governments of the world should have some sort of voucher program. We owe you one summer, everyone. Trade (laughs) in whenever you want. We owe you one summer. Here's a free ticket to whatever Wally World or equivalent is. Man, and I have a summer birthday, too. So, like, I missed my birthday. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, like, birthday was nothing this year. Uh, Missed, like, Canadian Thanksgiving. And, like, we're probably going to miss Halloween this year, too. And it's just like, oh, man. Yeah, I keep getting that a lot, too. A lot of people keep asking me, like, oh, what are you going to do for Halloween? And I'm like, nothing, because we're not going to yeah, be you open. Yeah, can't, you can't do nothing <laughs> for Halloween. And we're a little further along here in, you know, northern Ontario. I think yeah. we're up to, like, stage three reopen. But even still, it's like, oh, but there's just so much stress going out and being around people. And I'm the youngest person in my building by, like, four decades. And I'm like, look, if the, if, if the worst <laughs> should happen... I'll survive, but I don't want to give it to any of the golden oldies who live in my building. So, like, yeah. 
let me ask you this. I, I mean, because I know you are, are, you say Ontario, mm-hmm. so I know you're, and I see all the pictures of friends of mine in Toronto going to yeah. see movies. Are do, do you feel comfortable enough to go see, like, Tenet or any of the movies in no, movie theater? No, both because I'm not okay. as invested in any of these as anyone else. And also because mm-hmm. I just wouldn't – I wouldn't be able to enjoy myself. Now, hilariously, again, northern Ontario where I live is where some of the last drive-in theaters in all of Canada actually are. And they've been hosting live music at the drive-in. And in uh, Oakville, Ontario, they actually did a very interesting thing just recently as a tie-in to the new uh, You Can't Kill David Arquette documentary. They played the documentary on the big screen, new for everybody. What? Yeah. And then they also played the movie Ready to Rumble, where in he played a wrestler back in the early 2000s. I because they're kind of connected, and also because RJ City, who was like his uh, his opponent turned friend in the documentary, I think he's from Oakville, so clearly he had some mm-hmm. connection to be like, oh, play my movie on the big screen at the drive, and they did. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I would have gone to see that. You know, it's funny because um, luckily that's one of the advantages that we have here in Los Angeles where I am is that the movie theaters or excuse me, there are like three drive ins within about an hour's drive of L.A. And very early on, about a month into this, we went and saw the Invisible Man at the drive in. And luckily, um, Disney has set up. Uh, their own like portable drive-in theater oh. at the Rose Bowl and that's where we're going to go see New Mutants like oh. that's the only way I would go see New Mutants because it's a drive-in and, and the only reason I'm going to see Bill and Ted uh, is because you know I think it's such a smart decision that they made it they were like it'll be in theaters and VOD at the same time I believe they're the smart ones in this situation right? like look you can get it both Dude, I like again. I haven't seen it yet, and I maybe I, this is my 2020 uh, mind putting so much emphasis into it. But like, there's a chance that I might call Bill and Ted Face the Music the movie of 2020 because all it has to be because I I rewatched mm. the other ones. The first one really holds up. It's full of so mm. much heart. The second one, eh, not so much. But there's still some really great stuff in it. And if this new movie has half the heart and is just half the quality of the first one i might be like you know what this is exactly the who would have thought a bill and ted movie would be the movie that could save 2020 yeah. or at least save it in through positivity because that's the thing i forgot about bill and ted man until i rewatched it is that these two well keanu reeves says they're not stoners but they're definitely <laughs> stoners these two stoner dudes are the most positive really guys are. in movie dumb. like they're so po- they never let anything get them down and their catchphrase is be excellent to each other. And you're like, you know what? We we could use a lot of that in 2020, being excellent we to really, each other. We really, really could. And, like, honestly, I just think it's cool that Keanu Reeves was like, yeah, man, I'll come back and do another one of these. But 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 you just went through John Wick and you became the biggest star in the world again. Yeah, and I'm going to be in Cyberpunk and I'm going to do another Bill and Ted because I just like being in movies. And another Matrix. And another Matrix. And another Matrix. He's, he's filming another Matrix movie literally right now in Germany. Um have you did you have you heard any of the story about how this came no, back? No, actually. How did that come about? Okay, so this is the amazing thing. Like every step of the weird Bill and Ted franchise, and can you believe there's a Bill and Ted <laughs> franchise? Um, so apparently, the original writers, uh, Chris Matheson, who is the son of Luminary writer Richard Matheson, say, the writer yeah. of I Am Legend. Yeah, and then Ed Solomon. Ed Solomon went on to write other great movies like uh, Men mm. in Black, which is a yeah, great movie. So they co-wrote all three movies, and apparently, when they because if ever there's no spoilers for Bogus Journey it came out in 1991, <laughs> they basically the franchise basically ends a yeah. Bogus Journey, um, and they said that about ten years ago 
they were like sort of talking because they've stayed friends, Chris Matheson and, and Ed Solomon, and they they were like, you know, I sort of have an idea for like what Bill and Ted Three could be, <laughs> and they started talking about it and talking about it, and they were like, you know what, this there might be something here, um, and so they said they were like, okay, we're not even going to bother pitching it or writing it unless we can get Keanu and Naturally. Alex on, but, and so. They had dinner apparently with Keanu and Alex in like 2010. Oh, wow. And pitched them the idea. And apparently Keanu and Alex were like, if you can get it greenlit, we're That's in. That's amazing. And apparently they started writing the script before any movie studio had signed on. And it took them this long to get to the process to where it was finally came out. Like it took them 10 years to go from writing the script that to making it. That's freaking magical. Yeah. So like again, like another one of like another one of these like I'm putting a lot of I'm putting a lot of hope into this movie that I haven't seen. It's, it's Joel. getting a lot of very solid reviews. I was surprised. And it again, is, everyone's saying what you said where it's like, "Wow, this is what we needed right now." Thanks, Bill and Ted. I can't wait to read all the YouTube comments on this for the people that the people in the future that are listening to this. Hello, Hello. future people later. And they're just like, "Bill and Ted." Oh, naturally. Suck. Man, you you bring up an excellent point. What what's your movie of the quarantine? Cuz yeah, I've watched so much of what's come out. Uh I liked getting to see The Hamilton on the Disney Plus. That was pretty fun. Yep. Um Oh man, Tread on Netflix was cool. Did you see Tread? I have not seen I that, no. I think Tread is the perfect documentary for our time, but in the opposite positive way of what you're talking about. Tr mm -hmm. uh, maybe you heard about this in the news, because I remember this was a big deal on the, like, the proto-internet. There was some guy in a small town who had gotten into a major feud with like his local city council, and so to get back at them, this man built a tank out of a bulldozer in his garage and actually smashed up the town because of some, yeah, because <laughs> of some slight that he believed had been delivered upon him. In truth, he was just crazy, but I'm like, yeah, this is the movie for our time. Some rich, yuppie asshole who thought the rules didn't apply to him and everyone was against him smashed up a town. Luckily, no one got hurt except for him, so again, it's a comedy of errors instead of a tragic comedy <laughs> um you know what um i'm gonna say that that might be the most american movie of all time. oh yeah and as someone who lives in a small town everything this guy's complaining and all these like insane conspiracy theories he's drawn on his corkboard and i'm like dude that's just life in a small town. Yeah, one family owns everything here where I live, too, but that's just because their great-great-grandparents were here before anyone else, and that's why everything's named after them. Uh, Joel, I know this is live on the air, but I'm sending you an article that I, well, I'm going to leave to your discretion about whether we're going to talk about, but it's literally breaking news. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, check the chat, my friend. I'm throwing you an article that I just saw come up uh, because I get email notifications from Variety. And I'm looking around, and this is very true. And if it is, we should uh, probably oh talk about this. Oh, my God, Chad. Because this is... Chadwick yeah. Boseman dead at 43? What the fuck? Yes. I'm I'm looking around the internet. This Everyone that, that is listening to this, this literally broke as we were recording. I came across my email, and I'm looking around, and everybody i'm i don't know whether this is a hoax or not but everybody is reporting this as it's real from his official like twitter thing that he'd secretly been battling with colon cancer holy cow man 2020 the year of 2020 
killed Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther. So fucked up. And yeah, uh, that's another, they just said, you know, he was in Five Bloods from Spike Lee, probably my favorite Spike Lee movie in the last couple years. Holy shit. This is insane. Just when you think this year could not get any stranger, we just lost, like, what I'm going to say was probably one of the best actors of our time. holy shit. He was was so great in everything. And, you know, he was the definitive Black Panther that everyone wanted. And, you know... Well, that that moment in Endgame when he walks through that portal now is going to be like almost tear-inducing now. That friggin' sucks. That's horrible. Um, What a great career. What a great... I love Black Panther 1. I do think it's one of the best MCU movies. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it every time. And to be honest with you, he's a big reason why that movie works. Wow, that's... I didn't mean to bring the podcast down, Ooh. but like it li- literally broke as we were sitting here talking. Yeah, and I was wow. like, oh my and, god. And you know, he was Jackie Robinson, and he was in all this other stuff. Just like, wow, holy shit. Yeah, okay, yeah, all the other media is picking it up all over the place. CBC News, TMZ, Variety. Yeah. Jesus. That's a RIP, man. That's fucking sick. He was only 42. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, it just, you know, it just goes to show you that, um... You know, you never know. Yeah, this this fuck of a year. So, uh, yeah. So, what are we talking about? Uh, things we're doing to keep sane <laughs> uh, during the quarantine and everything. Uh, movies we've been watching, TV shows. Uh, you know, um, something that I have been watching um, is uh, Perry Mason. Oh, the HBO yes, series. I saw you tweeting about that. My grandmother was a massive fan of the original Perry Mason, and I was always a little bummed that she never, you know, got to see this one. I, you know, uh, if you haven't seen it, I would say it's one of the best shows I've seen in quite a long time. Um, it's also very current because, and you can tell that this is a, it's a story that takes place in 1931, but you can tell it's written by 2020 or 2019 mm-hmm. writers, I guess, yeah. is when they would have written it because there is an issue about um, police brutality. Mm-hmm. There is, there's stories about, um, you know, African-American representation, black representation. There is even, um, uh, you know, uh, LGBTQA oh, wow. uh, storylines. And there, so it, it's interesting to see those, what we would consider very modern day stories through a 1931 right. lens. And I think it's very well done. I mean, if it doesn't clear all the Emmys next year, I'll be very yeah, surprised. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I feel like there's so many shows I'm supposed to be binging, but I'm not. Uh, I'm waiting for uh, The Boys. Obviously, that comes back uh, fairly soon. Yeah. Uh, on Amazon there. Uh, what else have I been watching? Oh, I, I caught a little of that Teen Bounty Hunter because I really enjoyed Orange is the New Black. And I'm like, this is no Orange is the New Black, but it's all right. Uh, you know, I it's weird for me. I kind of, like, tuned out of movies and TVs mm-hmm. for a bit, and I, like, started falling into um, uh, car oh, shows, like uh, Rust Valley Restorers, right, right. which is a very Canadian yeah, yeah. show, is, is like has become, like, one of my favorite shows. Um yeah, because that's like a big, a lot of people may not know this about me, but um, I worked in college a bit in the auto oh, industry. No um, yeah, in terms of uh, my dad, uh, because he's a farmer, was basically a far, uh, uh, an auto right. mechanic. And then so he taught me a lot of stuff. And then when I was in college, I worked for an automotive industry collision mm-hmm. center. Um so and I worked there for like two years. So I I know a lot. Of, I I know a lot more about cars for a comic book nerd <laughs> than you might suspect. Well, I know nothing. So next time I get a flat tire, I'll talk to you, Jason. Can you help me? <laughs> That's like the easiest thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm talking about like changing it, changing out like alternators and hybrid batteries and stuff. Man, oh no, on. I've gone cross-eye. <laughs> I'm not handy. It's been revealed I'm not. Man, I had to plunge my sink. Uh, what is there with one mm-hmm. of those uh, snakes because it had gotten clogged during all this. I'm like, I can, you know, I can do oh, yeah. it myself. I don't want anyone in here, especially in times like this. And I cranked it too hard and I ended up going completely through the pipe that had been rotted by CLR. And yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. That was, a, that was a whole thing. So I had to put a bucket under it until someone who actually knew what they were doing could come and fix it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Wow, you must have been pushing on that really I was. Hard. I'm like, I'm going to get this freaking clog out of here one way or another and just... And I mean, the pipe was rotted. I mean, I'm big and strong, but I'm not that big and strong. <laughs> you know, it's funny, too, also during all this craziness, I found myself going back to um, the little bit of comic books that I have been reading because I've kind of I've kind of pulled back from reading like the weekly comics a little right. quite a bit. One, because of time. and But also, like, I just found they weren't bringing me as much joy as like reading the time periods that like really got me into comic books like um kind of like the john byrne iron man mm. run and uh you know like just pre-war machine like because like right when james road becomes war machine is like one of my favorite time periods of comics i went back and reread a lot of the john byrne superman yeah because like that is my favorite time period of superman and like seeing that energy and stuff like that and um a little bit of the, um, I dipped into a little bit of the Chuck Dixon Nightwing and the Denny O'Neill Osriel, yeah, yeah. which uh, Denny O'Neill Osriel is a series that I've never read all the way through and about 20 issues into it. And it's very interesting. It occupies a mm. space in the Batman universe that I don't think anybody has really occupied since um, because he's a Bat character you know, in loose association with Batman, but he really isn't friends with Batman. Like Batman calls him in every once in a while. And he's sort of like, look, you beat me that one time just because I put claws on your bat suit. And we, I don't really want to be friends with you. Uh, So it's very interesting. It's sort of like, you know, Denny O'Neill is the guy who created Ra's al Ghul. And like a million other things. uh, Yeah, of course, of course. And it it feels like his Osriel series his nineties. Osriel series is very much him, like sort of exploring, those buildings and little plot devices of the Batman universe. He's like, it, it feels like he's expanding the Batman right, universe because right. he's like, okay, Osriel's going to go over here and deal with this ninja group that you've never heard of, and this ninja group, and this ninja group. I, I, I they're not all ninja groups. It's just that's my bad. It was, it was a big time for ninjas. They were very popular back then. You see, it was the style <laughs> at the time. When, when are they not? Indeed. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess uh, one of the other big reasons uh, to have you here is that on top of, you know, doing lots of cool uh, YouTube shows yourself and being on fun podcasts like this one, uh, you and your wife and collaborator there, Ashley, uh, write your own series as well. You've had a lot of really good success with crowdfunding and you have a new book coming out, uh, as I have put up here on the screen, in shops, October 7th, Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, uh, God, I think I talked to Ashley all the way back in January when you guys were still crowdfunding this, and like I recorded an episode with her, and then the next day it got funded before I even got to put the episode up. Well, then we're going to credit you hey, for that. Thank you so much. It's, it's like the Colbert bump. You can't prove I did it, but you can't prove I didn't do it either. <laughs> Let's just say you did. Hey. Let's just say it. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. So, uh, what, uh, <laughs> what can fans expect from this one besides, you know, a truly wonderful little quote here from Ron Mars, which I have also put up on the screen right now, which I think is super friggin' sick. 
Um, so uh, thank you, thank you. Yes, and we're we're honored and humbled that uh, Ron Mars, creator of uh, Kyle Rayner, decided to uh, give us a blurb for our, our book. Um, so Jupiter Jet is the second volume in our all ages adventure science mm. fiction series. Um, Jupiter Jet, of course, is our love letter basically to 90s comics when you could pick up a comic book of Superman and Batman and Superman Adventures and Batman Adventures and, and you could enjoy it. It didn't matter how much of Batman you'd read or it didn't matter whether you were 90 years old or 8 years old. You could enjoy it and read it. And that's really what we're going for with Jupiter Jet. Um, so you don't have to read Jupiter Jet Volume 1 to read oh. Jupiter Jet 2. If you have, you get pluses. But we explain it all to you. Basically, all you need to know is that she's a 17-year-old girl. She's now mm -hmm. 17. And she has a jetpack and she wants to fly across the universe, travel the solar system, and free humanity from this alien race called the Praetors. And of course, that's going to lead her on all kinds of hijinks. Um, it's gonna, she's going to travel to her first new planet named mm. Justice, which is a reference. Go Google it. Uh, see if you can figure out the reference there. And it's a Western hey. planet. So uh, Super Jet gets to put on a cowboy outfit. Always a And um, she, of course, encounters a new antagonist called the Black Flyer. And there's going to be a lot of twists and turns about who the black flyer is because this is another person with a jetpack and this 17 year old girl or woman i guess you should say um thought she was the best jetpack flyer in the universe and it turns out she's not and how is she going to handle that and then of course we have a side adventure with her younger brother chuck who um of course discovers the device that is in the title the forgotten hey. radio and what is this forgotten radio um we have a lot of fun with it we have a lot of references to it and this is really a story about a girl thinking she knows what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And then the universe kind of slapping her across the face and being like, this is how the universe is. How will you deal with it? And um, it's a t title I think we can all relate to. Um, and uh, I'll give you this. You know, we uh, speaking of since we were talking earlier about Mr. Chadwick yeah. Boseman and untimely death, when we were writing this book, um, a lot of the story revolves around this mysterious new element, this red mm. rock. And we were like, well, okay, this mysterious red rock is going to do some different thing. In fact, one of the first titles we were considering for this volume was Jupiter Jet and the Mystery mm. of the Red Rocks. Um, and we were like, what are we going to name this thing? Because we wanted to have an element name. We wanted to sound really cool. Adamantium. And as we were... Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. Unobtainium. <laughs> but... Yeah, but, and that's the danger, right, when you're naming, like, weird elements. Sometimes um, you just got to call a chair right? a chair in science fiction. Exactly, exactly. Or a mm. MacGuffin, right? Um, so, great sci-fi writer, DC Fontana, passed away as we were writing the issue where we're going to name the Red Rocks. And if you don't know who DC Fontana is, um, she was Gene Roddenberry's oh. secretary who worked her way onto the writing staff of Star Trek and basically created the entire mythology that exists with oh, Vulcans. Everything you love about Spock comes from DC Fontana. She's a legendary female writer. She even worked on Star Trek Ooh. The Next Generation. She's an amazing, astounding writer. And she passed away as we were writing issue three. And so when that happened, I, I pitched to my amazing Canadian uh, and lovely co-writer, Ashley. I was like, why don't we call it Fontanium? Mm, sounds good. To honor... Uh, uh, DC Fontana, and that is and and that is what the Red Rocks are called. They're uh, spoiler for you, uh, <laughs> Fontanium, and Fontanium will be 
in every future volume That's of Jupiter dope. Jet. I like that a whole lot. Uh, I yeah. like what you said, too, about, you know, uh, all ages, you know, uh, appealing comics, because that's something that's always, you know, been a, you know, been some I've carried a torch for myself, because, you know, I have younger cousins and nieces and nephews and everything who want to get into comics, and they know I work with this, and they're like, oh, well, recommend me something, or, you know, or, like, can I read what you're reading, and by and large, I'm like, no, sorry, little Billy, you can't read Three Jokers, because you need... 40 50 plus years of batman joker yeah. history to understand all these little references and references within references yeah you know it's crazy and and that was a big thing right um and when we say all ages we found that some comic fans are like oh there's a comic for kids and we're like no 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 no, no. when we say all ages for especially jupiter jet we mean all ages as in we will not talk down mm. to adults but we also will not dumb it down for the kids. Like, so you can read it. You don't need continuity. It's a fun mm. adventure for your kids. But there's also a lot of elements in there for right. adults. Again, it is truly a comic book for everyone. And if you don't believe that, you read Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio or Jupiter Jet Volume 1, then find me on Twitter and I'll give you your money that's, back. You know, that's why I always hold up something like Batman the Animated Series for being such a true, you know, untouchable classic. Yes. I'm like, you... Timeless. Absolutely, times. I'm like, you could show mm -hmm. this to anyone, and the stories hold up, and the characterization holds up. And if you're a kid, you're going to view it one way, and if you're an adult, you're going to view it a completely different way. And I think it's the power of that story. And I wish there were more stories like that. That's why I like uh, Miss Marvel so much. Uh, Kamala, yeah, Khan, such a great that comic. I think really hits that we note. Were, yeah, we were really inspired um, when we first were coming up with Jupiter Jet Volume One with yeah by Kamala Khan by um moon girl and devil yeah. dinosaur that new revamp of that i thought was so good um you know um god there's so many of them and 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 you know and i'll even be i'll even say this i think some of the best books that have been coming out of dc for the last two years have been their dc kids books have you read Primer? no i have not but i have heard lots of good things about prime dude it is astounding and then um superman smashes oh, the clan so good oh man it's it might be the best Superman comic book of the last five yeah, years. Yeah, you could easily make. Also, hey, can Gene Ewan or Lewin Yang, can he write the main Superman book now? Because I think that would actually also be really good. Uh, fun fact, I, he did, actually, back in the day. Uh, you may not know, uh, um, Gene Yang wrote it during the end of the New 52. He's the guy that wrote the storyline the first time that Superman's identity came oh, out into the open. Oh, was that him? Was that really? That was oh. him. Yeah, now I think... I think he might have had a lot of editorial, um, editorial, mm. yeah, because like again, New Fifty Two, and also I don't know if any writer, because to be honest with you, for me, when they announced that like Brian Michael Bendis was doing the same thing, that he was going to um, reveal the he identity just did of this, <laughs> that's what I thought. And also to me, I'm like Clark Kent is such an important part of Superman. I don't know why you would get it rid of it. Definitely seems very strange. I do remember uh, Yang wrote the Super Hyphen Man series about the Chinese Superman. New Superman. That's a great book. If you very underrated. It. Shame, shame they yep. did nothing with that character and never brought him back in anything. You know, let me ask you your opinion of this. Like, I'm a big mm. Superman fan because I'm, you know, of course, I'm a farm boy from there Kansas, and that that he's kind of like our famous person that 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 no did doubt. good, even though he's <laughs> fictional. Um, so uh, I've always thought that there should be a book called Team Superman, yeah, a whole super family. Or even Superman Family, and it should have it should like have John Henry Iron yeah. Steel because he's a character from the '90s I desperately miss. Supergirl, uh, Connor mm -hmm. Kent, put new Superman in there. 
Um, heck, Lex Luthor, when he's wearing the Superman armor, Very can cool. be in there. Um, Crypto, uh, Jonathan Kent, like every Superman-related character. If you have some sort of S-shield yeah, on your yeah, chest, yeah. you should be in teams. Absolutely. And I think the Bat family should have the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I really like that Detective Comics book from James Tyner, where it's like, oh, it's just a Bat family yep. book. Now, they should do this with Action Comics, and it should just be a Superman yeah. family book. Exactly. I understand why you probably probably Batman family and Superman family might be too dated. So maybe Team yeah. Batman, Team Superman. I know what I know. What is you there's know? a new story Bendis is doing now? The the House of L. I'm like, well, they're not all technically part of the House of L, but all right. Yeah, that's true. And then there's also like, if you, I mean, if you read certain sites like uh, Bleeding Cool, there's weird rumors that like for a while there they were thinking that like Superman was going to lead the new. Authority. I don't know if that's still going to happen yeah, or whatever, I but I, I I was reading that and I was like, what is this? Again, that's very where it's like, hey, we haven't done anything with the authority in a bit. Let's do this, I guess. You know, and I, I will say I like the authority, although I love the original Warren Ellis and the original um, Mark mm. Miller runs. Uh, Grant Morrison did a good run with it, but it's it's funny for me. I almost think the authority are singular, almost. They're, they're, they're kind of they're kind of like watching. Yeah. It's like, unless you have a really solid self-contained, like 12 issue run where you have something really strong Absolutely. to say, then I think you should just leave them alone. Like the, the authority should not really be in the DC universe. In my they're, opinion, they're or, commenting on superheroes in the DC universe. If you just put them in there, exactly. you rob them of the thing yeah. that makes them special. Yeah. They don't work. It's kind of almost for a long time until they made Shazam more magical. Yeah. I was kind of like, I was like, Captain Marvel is a Superman knockoff. It's weird that he's in the same universe as Superman. Now, that being said, uh, Steve Orlando did do some really good solo Midnighter stories, and I thought Midnighter could have hung for Very a little fair. bit. Talk about another character they forgot. I'm like, Midnighter is cool. He should be on a team. He should be somewhere. But you know the reason why I think that worked is because it was just that character. Or, it was like, or you just had Apollo and Midnighter. You didn't yeah. have the whole team. Made it smaller. Because Midnighter also was really good in uh, yes. Grayson. The oh Grayson my god, that's going. so true. I forgot he kept showing up there. <laughs> and him and Dick had an interesting relationship. It's like, yeah, you're like Batman, only you're a little bit brutal. <laughs> oh, they, those two definitely oh, slept yeah. together. I, I, have, I have no doubt there, about that. There was a lot of friction there. There was a lot of heat, a lot of issues that I'm sure Dick had to bring up to his psychiatrist <laughs> next time. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I've... I've said for a long time, and I don't mean to uh, shame uh, a fictional character in any way about their sexuality, but uh, I've said for many years that Dick Grayson is the manbo of the <laughs> DC universe, and I say that as a person who says that um, Dick Grayson is my favorite comic book character Every, of all time. Everybody loves Dick all over the place. You just can't help it. That is true in a lot of but different ways. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, Jupiter Jet uh, for all ages. I think that's super cool, and that we definitely need more comics like that. What's a what's the arc structure like there? Is it kind of more one and done, or is it more like you know overarching, or you know I guess because you know it's a crowdfunded thing for yourself. Can I just sit down, crack into it, and read it? How's uh how's the best way to enjoy your comic, Jason? Uh, just like that. Um, we wrote this volume as basically an OGN. Now, when you read it, you will be able to tell there's five chapters um, because originally our publisher was very insistent about Action Lab. Our publisher was very insistent about it being published as right. five issues. But looking at the market, we really wanted to just do it as an OGN, like a mm -hmm. one shot um, and put all our focus into one book. So, uh, yes, you can crack it in. It is a done in one. Um, it is a complete story. 
Also, it sets up future Jupiter jets. Um, it was always our goal from the beginning that we've always said that Jupiter jet, the Jupiter jet saga is five volumes. So this is the second of five, and each volume will jump her head a year in her life. So the next volume she'll be hey. eighteen. The volume after that, nineteen. We're going to see this character all the way till she's twenty. Up with her. Um, yeah, yeah, and it just you know we said that when we were making Jupiter jet volume one, and we were just lucky enough that with crowdfunding we were able to do. Um, volume two, and hopefully with crowdfunding, we'll do volume three, volume four, volume yeah, five. That's really cool. I, I guess too, you know, uh, a question that I'm sure lots of people who want to crowdfund their own book, and I know we have a lot of creative people out there in the comic multiverse universe. Uh, there, what, uh, what I guess have you learned uh, from crowdfunding and getting your story out there and everything? And what uh, kind of advice uh, would you impart? Um. You know, the easiest advice I would say, the biggest advice I'd always say is that you're selling yourself, you're not selling your book. You really are. People will buy your comic or fund your Kickstarter or listen to your podcast based on you, not based on the subject matter. Um, and, and, and in fact, I mean, I would say that like anybody listening to this podcast or watching this podcast right now would is going to buy Jupiter Jet whether they like mm. me or not. They're not buying it based on oh, I like Jetpack, that's always right. bonus. That's like the icing on top of the cake, but that's not the cake. Um, and the other goal, the other piece of advice I would say, I got two, is one, don't be afraid to ask your friends for yeah. help. It helps. Um, we we are very guilty of this. Um, I mean, I always reach out to you and say, hey, Joel, will you, will you tweet about the book? And you very kindly will do that. Um, but it, you know, if I hadn't done that, then, then, you know, there's possibly chance that people would not have seen right. the book. Um, so don't be afraid to ask your friends for help. And the biggest mistake I see people make is you have to be very aware of what you could get in crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kickstarter is, or any crowdfunding game is, is like a game. People come to your page and somehow they've gotten there. Either they've seen the link or they've heard a podcast right, or right. whatever. So they got there. And when they look at your page, it's twofold. They're going to look at whatever your images are. They're going to be like, hmm, I like mm -hmm. that. Hmm, I don't like that. And then they're going to look at how much are you raising and how much have you gotten. So if your goal is $50,000 yeah. and you've only gotten 200 of that. Seems like it's going to fail. Then people... Yes, and people's minds will automatically go to, oh, it's going to fail. Why would I even bother giving it any money? Ship. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's the, it's the rising skyscraper, and it's the sinking mm. ship. If your campaign looks like a rising skyscraper, um, they will always, always donate. We found, actually, a lot of... Uh, uh, we get, like, actually a big majority of our... Um, donations for our crowdfunding campaigns after they've already funded. Mm, interesting. After we've already crossed the goal, because people are just people treat it as a pre-order. Right, 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 right. That's very interesting. You know, they're like, "Oh, I'm definitely going to get this thing." So click, oh, click. Wow. Um, so I always recommend to people, it's more important that you fund than you mm -hmm. don't. So I, I especially for people's first campaigns, if you've never done it before, I always say, do your budget, and then whatever your budget is, knock. Two thousand to three thousand right. dollars off it, and and just pay that money yourself or eat that money yourself because it's more important that your campaign is successful than you get a you, you know you sit at two hundred dollars of your fifty thousand dollar campaign right, for a month right. because that is demoralizing. No it like it 
it eats you inside. Yeah, wow, that's that's excellent advice. Uh, having cool, uh, you know, awards and rewards also helps too. And I know you guys had put together oh, some yeah. really good uh, rewards for your last couple uh, kickstarting endeavors. Oh yeah, we all again. That's the thing of like I said, we're like always ask your friends. We. Um, we had some art prints by Nicholas Scott of Wonder Woman Year One. I mean, our cover is, we've had two covers by the amazing John Boy Myers, which is so good. Again, and we just asked them. We were just like, hey, how much would you charge for a cover? And he's like, here's my rate. And we're like, cool, we'll pay for that because you're amazing. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, and then we always like to do like writer mm. reviews, uh, script reviews, where it's like, oh, if you're thinking about doing some script reviews and we did some ads for our podcast. So that's, that's another part of the thing if you're crowdfunding. Like, think about, what would you like Absolutely. to see as a reward? If you would like to see it, there's there's a strong chance that somebody else would as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I say that all the time. Where it's like, do do the thing that you would want to see slash want to have. Uh, you, you mentioned Action Lab too uh, earlier. I don't think I've asked Ashley this any of the time she's been on the show, and I don't think I've asked you this either. What what's it like working with Action Lab? How did you get hooked up with uh, them and everything? We picked Action Lab because, um, well, actually, we pitched it to a whole mm. bunch of companies, and Action Lab was the, the first one to get back to us. Uh, in fact, fun fact, we say this several times, we actually pitched science to everybody oh. first before Jupiter Jet, and just in terms of schedules and publishing, Jupiter Jet came and out first. that happens a lot sometimes in entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, so, so like, you know, Science, the Elements of Dark Energy, which we just got nominated for a hey. Ringo Award for Best Kids Comic of 2019, which was great, and thank you to Why everybody not? that voted. Um, um, yeah, like, we pitched Science around to everybody first, and then Action Lab got back to us and was like, we like this Jupiter Jet thing, and we were like, oh, cool. Um, we, we were very excited about Action Lab because we enjoyed their book. I don't know if you've read Princeless. Mm, no, but I have heard of it, though. Which is a... Yeah, it's a really, really excellent book. It's basically about a princess who decides, think about all the fairy tales you ever read, and it's about a princess who, the princesses of those fairy tales rescuing yeah, okay, themselves. Okay, yes, yes, this is the book I was thinking of. That's that's a solid mm -hmm. premise. Yeah, and so like that's why we were an excellent company. And also they had a great book by Jamal Eigel several years ago called Molly Danger, and she's also another Jetpack Girl, so... That's another thing where we're like, oh, cool, we're in good company because we're like Jetpack Girl and Jetpack Girl. Solid. That's really, really freaking cool. Uh, so, yeah, the store – or the, the store. The book will be in stores uh, in October there. Do you have uh, anything planned for the release or anything? I know our hands are tied again with friggin' quarantine and anything, so there's not much we can do. But can we expect, you know, uh, something? Uh, you know, um, we are – I will tell you this. Um, right now we are reaching out to retailers. Um, and if you go and pre-order the book with your retailer, um, tell any of your retailers to reach out to us at jupiterjetcomic at gmail.com. Exactly how it's spelled, jupiterjetcomic at gmail. Um, and if your retailer reaches out to us, we, we have told people across the way we have signed book plates because it's kind of impossible to do signing yeah, right now. Um, so if you pre-order a copy of Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, we'll send a signed book plate to That's your so shop. Cool. Um, and also, that also works out because right now we are doing a um, pre-order prize pack right now where if um, if you pre-order the book through Amazon or Walmart or any of these insane, you know, anywhere, anywhere, uh, even through your shop, send us a copy of your receipt, a screenshot of your receipt to the same email, jupiterjetcomic at gmail. And we are doing a random drawing. One person that pre-orders the book 
anywhere in the world, we are going to send them all these exclusive art prints that we've had over the years. We have art prints by our artist, Ben Matsuya. We have the John Boy Myers, yeah. signed by John Boy Myers. We have the Nicola Scott print. We have some trading cards. We will sign them all as well. And that person will have a character named after them in Jupiter that Jet Volume so 3. Cool. So if you've ever wanted to come up with a character named after Always. yourself, pre-order Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio and send us the proof. But we're only doing that until... Uh, September 15th, mm. that, which is the final order cutoff is so the get issue. get on that, everybody. So, uh, yeah, that is, that's super awesome. Now, uh, obviously, too, you know, the next question is, now that you've uh, knocked this one out of the park, Jupiter Jed, what's uh, what's on your plate next? What, uh, what other projects do you have coming down the pipeline that you can talk about, if you uh, can talk about them? I'm working on, um, the next comic book for me will be... Um, Basically, a lot of people have asked what would be my version of mm. Superman. And I've written a couple short stories, short comic books, a couple years ago with uh, Nick Robles, was my artist, actually, uh, who's drawing the Sandman mm, Dreaming, which is really an amazing pretty. book. Uh, and he's a great artist. And he, and, he wrote, and he drew one of those Superman digital comics for DC oh, yeah. as well. Um, a couple years ago, four or five years ago, I, I've had this... Superman-ish character called Captain Terrific <laughs> for a long, long time. He sounds terrific. And yeah, and um, I have a story with him that I'm hoping to bring to Kickstarter in January. Um, my artist is George Kambatis, who uh, drew the Black Ghost for Comicsology. Hey, another really nice looking. Book. And he's he's a yeah he's a really good artist, and he and um, he is drawing the book right now, uh, and. It's basically my story of um, what if Captain Terrific had a best friend named Matty Moore, his Jimmy Olsen. Gotta love and that alliteration. What if, yep, and what if this Jimmy Olsen, this, his Matty Moore, basically made his entire living off of live streaming the adventures of his <laughs> super Very modern, I dig that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's the book, and I'm hoping to bring um, that book to Kickstarter in January. Nice, nice. That's wicked. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll start winding the show down here. Uh, thank you, uh, Jason, for letting me steal an hour of your time. You sound very busy, but, you know, there's some really cool stuff here <laughs> that I'm sure everyone is going to be very excited for. Be sure to check out Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio in stores October 7th. Be sure to keep your eyes peeled for uh, Jason's newest project, and I'm sure Ashley will have new projects, too, because you guys are always creating, creating. You're an inspiration to me in the podcast game and everything. Thanks, else. Man. So, uh, again, thank you so much. And, uh, oh, I guess where, where can people find you on social media and everything else? Be sure to let them know. Oh, oh, thank you. Uh, you can find me. And, again, I'll have lots of uh, information about the Captain Terrific Project and Jupiter Jet and Front Radio on my Twitter, at Jawin. Mm. That's J-A-W-I-I-N. Uh, my Instagram is the same, at Jawin. I also have a website where you can pre-order my book, signed, jasoninman.com. Yes. And uh, don't forget, Ashley and I have a podcast called Geek hey, History Lesson. Yes, yes, you do. I listen to that. Uh, uh, usually, when I'm making dinner, I'll pop one of those. And it's like, oh, it's like, you, oh, you know, let me listen. Let me listen to one of my friends' shows, so I feel like they're here with me for a minute as I sit in quarantine. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate uh, that, dude. So uh, again, yeah, thank you, Jason, so much for joining us. And that will, 
Thank you for having me, man. Always a pleasure. I know uh, the fans love having you on as much as I love having you on. And uh, yeah, that'll just about do it for me, everyone. And another installment of the Comic Multiverse. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to come back next week, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, rain or shine. We're going to be having another show. So thank you, everyone. And uh, I will see you all next time. Uh, Bye-bye.